0: everybody welcome back to the com movies television podcast as always i'm your host of dead man joining today we have birdie
1: hello sick dead man
0: (laughs) (sighs) i've had a humidifier running in my room for basically for basically five days straight now because we're in the middle of canadian winter and it is real bad. I would get a nosebleed from breathing because it was so dry up here.
1: That sounds like it sucks, but you're still Canada, and I'm still the U.S., so that's still better.
0: Yeah, it's a first-world problem as opposed to the third-world problems you have right now. (laughs) I do mean that as... As close to being actual third world problems as you can for being America. And that you have instilled in that in that a dictator has been instilled in your country who is doing everything he can to silence the media and fuck everybody. And just based on the looks of him trying to fuck my country's leader. And his daughter. I was like, well. Bonjour, Justin. Because they don't know how to say bonjour Hello. because it's French.
1: Uh, I didn't hear anything you said for the last minute.
0: <laughs> well, the recording did.
1: That might be a problem.
0: Anyway, we're here to talk about movies and stuff. All right, <laughs> what have you been watching? Sure. Uh,
1: there was a new Steven bomb.
0: Well, a new Steven episode.
1: Oh, no, wait, no, that bomb. A bomb. Yeah.
0: Oh, right, yeah. I I forgot about that because for me, that happened in January. Thank you, Cartoon Network French. Was-
1: So, yeah. Um, Goddamn you, Steven Universe, let me hate one of the villains. (laughs) I'm
0: Yellow. She's kind of a bitch.
1: Yeah, but she's... uh, I'm wondering if, like, each of the other diamonds, besides whenever we meet White Diamond, is like some form of impurity. Like, they make all these jokes about being the purest, most functional gem, and... Blue Diamond is way too sad all the time to where she looks like a Picasso picture. Yes. And Yellow Diamond acts like she's in control, but she's got severe rage issues.
0: (laughs) Yes, the evil giraffe.
1: And... I don't know what Pink Diamond's issue is. I'm assuming we'll find that out sooner sooner or later, but I'm assuming something was there was something impure about her. Maybe that she was but suicidal. Who knows? Maybe she loved too much.
0: Maybe that's, that's why Rose killed her. Universe. Just like just like Pink was like, please Rose kill me. I can't deal with this shit anymore. I do it myself, yeah. but I'm a fucking pussy.
1: so for those who didn't watch it um steven has a dream where he starts crying and his dad is like yeah what's wrong buddy you fell asleep watching the movie i was gonna let you sleep because it was so sort of cute but then you started crying and that's not as cute turns out um he's dreaming of korea and which leads to the introduction, the reintroduction of a character I thought was going to be completely pointless to overall Steven Universe proceedings. Greg's cousin.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think I it's his cousin. That
1: guy's. That guy left no impression on Andy? me other than he. Maybe I don't know. He has a plane, <laughs> and he could apparently fly into Korean airspace on a biplane, and no one will notice.
0: Yeah, fuck it. It's, this universe has fucking aliens shit, dog. A fucking biplane is the least of your worries.
1: Uh, so yeah, uh, Stephen is forced to ask the universe family to help him get to Korea when...
0: The DeMeo uh, family,
1: please. Garnet... The, uh, sorry, the DeMeo family. That's, less, that's cooler. I forgot. Uh, when Garnet refuses to let Steven go to Korea and then does everything possible to make him want to go to Korea as she put it, oh god, now I'm making it more interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, she learned nothing the first time this happened, like when he when she gave Steven her powers. It's like anytime you tell him not to do something he wants to do it. The same thing with literally everybody. That's why you never say, Don't look down. Cause they will then look down.
1: Yeah. So Stephen goes to Korea and meets Blue Diamond, who is mourning at the at the palanquin where uh, her Pink Diamond was shattered. Well,
0: he doesn't. He does He doesn't meet her. Uh, she, but he like also, sees well, her. He,
1: yeah, he sees her. Greg meets her. Yeah, and and Blue Diamond in that classic Jim way of thinking little of humans is like, I'm sort of surprised that a being as primitive as you could understand any form of emotion I feel, you know what? I'll put you in my zoo. Wait, what? Ah! And, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't realize, I I had never seen just how high Steven could jump if he really wanted to focus. Like, there was that one time, of course, where he just got stuck in the air when he wasn't in control of his powers, but I've never seen him actually see how high he could jump. Yeah. And the only reason he didn't reach the ship is because it went into warp. Yep. So Garnet, of course, saw all this coming, but, you know, Steven being Steven, she couldn't really do that much to stop it. So they have to go into space after Greg using the Ruby ship, which leads to my favorite episode. Well, no, it's my my second favorite episode of the whole bomb, where when Steven activates the gravity drive, weird shit happens on the ship.
0: Oh, yeah, it is. It gets funky.
1: Because the the implication is that because they're moving faster than the speed of light by warping the laws of physics, you have to have special settings in place to maintain your gym's illusory body. But they had it set to rubies, so... They all look squat. Which, yeah, of course, then, leads to the great scene of Pearl saying, in what way is this funny?
0: <laughs> and they just starts fucking around with it more, and eventually they stop moving at the speed of light, but the ship keeps going?
1: No, it's not that they stop going at the speed of light. It's that Steven turned, it, Steven turned off the limiters to where he was going so fast he couldn't move at all. So where uh, they're just, their bodies were no longer even capable of staying in the ship. They were moving too fast. He described it as being stretched out behind the ship.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, the entire time, it, they're fucking going to plaid. And the sh- and inside the ship, yep. it's getting like, it's like fucking splitting the image in like five different images, all different colors. Yep. And Steven just has we'll the next set of crisis. He's like, oh God, I one. want my dad.
1: And it's hard to imagine a uh six foot two nineteen year old saying that in that little kid voice, but I've seen Zach Callison now and that's kind of hilarious to me to think <laughs> about. <but. laughs>
0: voice actors, man.
1: Yep. So yeah, um the next episode's okay. Uh Holly Blue is hilariously hateable. And she gets her comeuppance at the end of the fifth episode, but the third ones, uh, the third and the fourth episodes are kind of slow. Like I know the fourth, the third one is just about uh, uh, gym shenanigans, basically. Like, hey, these are these roles that we have not played for centuries, but we need to to infiltrate this base and thus shenanigans.
0: la lot, a lot, a And then Pearl's not used to being a slave. What?
1: Yeah, and then the fourth episode was the human zoo, which was interesting enough, but they, it, I kind of agree with other critics who are like, yeah, they kind of started an idea of what to do with this, but they didn't really go very far with it.
0: Yeah, just like, hey, welcome to Jonestown. Bye. It just fucking stops. Yeah. Like, like causes yeah. a fucking and revolt and breakdown and stuff because pain is... I find it really hard to believe that nobody in this world has ever felt pain. Like emotional pain. Yes. Physical pain.
1: Yeah. Well, the only thing I kind of liked about that was that when the amethyst came in to alleviate physical pain, they talked to like, um, your sassy girlfriend uh, treating you to some martinis after a breakup, which I thought was kind of hilarious. (laughs) like, sure, you will. Gotta get back out there.
0: That's how the Amethysts work, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I also did not realize that pretty much almost every voice, in the at the beginning of the last episode, uh, Steven is introduced by Amethyst to all the other Amethysts, uh, Jaspers and Carnelians and other gems from Earth that Blue is maintained, despite... Yellow saying you should shatter them because they failed their diamond. And I think all of the voices for that are played by the voice actress who plays Amethyst. That yeah, makes sense. Which is sense. kind of
0: impressive. That makes sense. It's Gem Society's real fucked. Yep. That's kinda of what this that's kinda of what these strings of episodes have been here to reestablish. Just, yeah, the gem society is mm-hmm. just this fucking disaster of a thing. Yep. I mean, yeah, they make fancy shit, but like, goddamn.
1: Yeah. But onto the thing that everyone was talking about after the end of the episode. The the new song that will remain stuck in people's heads from Steven Universe with the great double meaning title.
0: Yes. <laughs> What's yeah. the use of feeling parentheses blue?
1: Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't my, it, it was different than what I'm used to. Cause I, it was a little less melodic than most of the songs on Steven universe, but it had, it packed a lot of shit in there in terms of the way gyms think the way the society runs. I liked the little bit that she will point out that, Apparently, lapises are are supposed to terraform planets. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> like, I know what it I know what it literally means, but not like in context what they expect a lapis to do.
0: I'm going to move all your water so that the weather changes and we can breathe here.
1: Yeah, or maybe they just destroy all water on the planet so that it becomes like hollow and like suitable for growing gems everywhere. I'm not sure. But yeah, maybe. Like,
0: like when, like when, uh, like when Peridot fucking brought up that on the moon base, brought up the image of what the Earth was supposed to be after, if the gems actually went through with all their shit. Not a whole lot of room for oceans or lakes or any water. Yeah. And so, and so, I, imagine ha- just- and so I imagine having all of the fucking bodies of water in the world. It'd be easier to get them out of the way. Just, like, use all that real yeah. estate for, like, fucking a kindergarten or something?
1: Yeah. I'm just curious what the what gems, what Homeworld does with water. Because, like, it, it, they can't be they just destroy it. Because why would you create an entire race of gems to just destroy water? Because there's got to be less complicated ways of doing that. But whatever.
0: <sighs> Maybe they send it back home and, like, I- electrolycize the individual elements out of it to make, I don't know, heroin.
1: Yeah, but, you know, interesting stuff for the future. But again, of course, the main focus is the difference in approaches to grief between Yellow Diamond and Blue Diamond. And I really like that voice actress they got for Blue Diamond. She just – I never thought I would use this word, but she sounds willowy. <laughs> Like she just she has the soft, whispery voice that sounds like it's constantly on the verge of breaking. Anyway, so whenever she's, whenever she speaks like she has power, it sounds like it's you don't believe it, and that's kind of summed up best when Sapphire is trying to convince Blue Diamond that she's not here illegally and that you actually wanted her here because I foresaw it. <laughs> and she's like,
2: "It's true, I did want
1: more humans for my zoo." Yeah, so but, that's I mean, uh, I, my,
0: that's Lisa Hannigan doing yeah. the voice.
1: Yeah, I heard she's like an Irish singer or something. Yep. Yeah, but you know, once again, uh, Steven Universe has never had a bad use of a voice that most they just had characters that you didn't like.
0: She's from the town she's, of Kilclun. That's an Irish okay. fucking name.
1: Yeah. But yeah, so they've never really had a bad voice on Steven Universe. They just had characters you don't like to listen to. Like uh Ronaldo's getting another episode soon, I noticed.
0: <sighs> and we got the fucking return of Tiger Millionaire or whatever the fuck that guy's name is that Steven played in the Wrestling yeah, the, Ring. Tiger yeah, Philanthropist.
1: Yeah, I'll put up with I'll put up with those two episodes, if for not both for this bomb and for the kind of tie-up episode afterwards with Peridot attempting to to ape uh, Garnet, <laughs> which I just found hilarious. Where she's like, hey, if we're going to be the Crystal Gems, we have to actually act out the specific roles of different gems. Otherwise, this will never work.
0: Yeah, Pumpkin, you can be Pearl. Fuck it.
1: I'm still surprised that that thing stuck around. I think that thing's actually had more prominence than the actual character they introduced in that episode.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck it. It's fucking... He's adorable. Why wouldn't they?
1: Yeah. Give a, give a voice for the watermelon dog voice actor.
0: Pumpkin, please.
1: No, I'm saying it's the same voice actor from the watermelon dog.
0: Probably D Bradley Baker or fucking, I don't yeah. know.
1: <laughs> Whatever. It's yeah. the voice yeah. of yeah.
0: <laughs> That That makes sense. <laughs> I should have realized that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Considering how those things are created, that does make a lot of sense. Must have been a weird moment in the voice vocal booth when they told Zach Cowson he had to do that.
0: It was like, all right, I need you to bark, and we're going to put that into a pumpkin. No, no, at that well, point, at that point, he probably would have gone like, yeah, okay. <laughs> the first time when it's like, all right, all right, you, need to get, you need to just make weird noises, and we're going to put those into about a thousand watermelons. He'd be like, wait, what? The pumpkin is the natural extension of the watermelon. (laughs) As we all know. Uh,
1: Yeah. So yeah, Steven Universe is still good. It's going to slow down for a while. Hopefully they won't make us wait long for more good episodes once they get done with their... I do kind of agree with the Walker brothers that um, Ronaldo episodes just exist to troll the audience. Yeah, kind (sighs) of. So, yeah. Anyway. um, So, did you ever watch an episode of uh, Milo Murphy's Law? Nope. I forgot
0: that show existed.
1: Yeah, well, it it basically disappeared after November of last year, and there's not a new episode until March But I was curious about the creative team, and I thought maybe watching the other show they're most well-known for might help me understand it a little. Did it? It does, but it was not in the way I expected. So, after watching several episodes of Phineas and Ferb, I think I've discovered why I'm not sure how to feel about Milo Murphy's Law. I think it makes too much sense. (laughs) Because the whole point of Milo Murphy's Law is, yeah, all this crazy wackadoo shit's happening, but it's all within the logic of, oh, this is a world where Milo, anything that could possibly happen happens to this guy, is the idea.
0: Oh, shit. Sorry, just talking about that reminded me that Star Wars Force of Evil is a thing, and I just realized that I have missed, like, a bunch of episodes. Of what? Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Ah, yes. They've been releasing seen, it like Steven Universe.
1: Yeah, well, I've seen clips of it. It seemed like it got weird and interesting, but maybe it stuck to plot. I don't know. There was a weird episode where Marco aged 12 years in the course of six minutes. Yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's building plot slowly, like very slowly. Yeah, yeah. like, starting apparently on the 6th, they've been releasing one of the, like, 10-minute episode chunks a day. Like a fucking Steven bomb.
1: Ah, so they're doing, like, the Steven nuke from last fall, from last summer?
0: Yeah. So we got two more episodes this week. Uh, We're recording this, by the way, on Valentine's Day, so have Valentine's Day, you fucking happy people. But yeah, I got episodes going to the sixteenth, and then four more from the twentieth to the twenty-third, and then a big old finale for the twenty-seventh.
1: Okay, but yeah, uh, so Phineas and Ferb is the series where basically the title sequence sums up everything about the two main characters, part of the story in that. It's summertime and two boys in the last in like 4th or 5th 6th 5th or 6th grade are like, you know, we're bored, let's do shit and it just it's never shit that you would you would think kids would do is the joke. Like the first episode is let's build our own roller coaster in our backyard. Then they, you know, go to visit England and create their own um yield jousting tournament. Yeah. They create their own androids just to dance the robot with them. Naturally. Yeah. And the only other part of that is uh, the two boys, Phineas and his adopted brother Ferb are uh, not adopted, stepbrother. I'm sorry. Uh, they have a pet platypus named Perry who is a secret agent.
0: Is that that fucking blue thing in the fedora I keep seeing everywhere? Yes. Okay.
1: I get the impression he's probably the most popular part of the show because they devote significant portions of time to him fighting his um, evil arch-nemesis, Dr. Doofenshmirtz, of Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated.
0: Well, yeah, because he's a fucking secret agent platypus. If you had that, would you do anything else in your show?
1: Yeah. And the boss... I didn't realize this at first, but uh, the... The creators of the show, uh, Jeff uh, Pavin Meier and Swampy Marsh, are. Uh, I'm serious. His name is Swampy Marsh.
0: Like birth name or?
1: I think Swampy is his nickname. His last name is Marsh. I can't remember what his first name is. Okay, but uh, but uh, I can't. One of the two voice actors plays his boss, and it's kind of the show. I'm not sure how well, Cora would be able to enjoy the show because it's incredibly formulaic where half the show is devoted to shenanigans between the secret agent platypus and the do- evil doctor he's pursuing. And the other half is devoted to shit the boys are doing and their sister, their older sister being like, they always get away with shit, I'm going to catch them and then never catching them a la uh, Roadrunner and Wily e. Coyote, complete with the sister at the end of several of these sequences having a small mental breakdown. How the hell did they clean that up? That doesn't make any sense. Where did the giant roller coaster go
2: and around the city?
1: <laughs> to the point, and this happens so regularly to the point that when occasionally Candace will get involved in the boys shenanigans because it benefits her. And then the mom freaks out. She's like, you know, my, my daughter hasn't called with frantic, crazed ravings in the last half hour. I should go check on her. Okay, yeah, the show sounds weird. It is very weird. To the point where... Um, there's an episode where um, Agent Perry the Platypus goes to stop Dr. Doofenshmirtz's evil scheme, and it turns out Uh, that another animal secret agent, Peter the Panda, is already attempting to stop him. So Doofenshmirtz is like, you know, this is kind of awkward, Perry. Uh, I'm already currently fighting a new nemesis. Could you, like, go somewhere else? And they play it out like a broken romance where they have a full-on Jerry Springer moment between evil scientists and their secret agent animal adversaries.
0: (laughs) That's dumb. Anyway.
1: Yeah, there's also Girl Scouts who can do literally anything. Like, when the boys travel back to the age of the dinosaurs and accidentally break the time machine, they send a message back via animal print to tell the Girl Scouts, okay, you need to get your time travel machine badge now.
0: Is it a box of Thin Mints? I don't fucking know. If I can
1: know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, that show was insane and Unlike Milo Murphy's Law, it doesn't even pretend to explain how any of this shit happens. Like, there's a Christmas episode during the summer in season three.
0: Well, that just makes sense. I mean, Christmas in July is a thing I've heard.
1: Yeah. And there was a there was an episode in for season one where the boys were tired of only getting the only source of cool being snowballs, so they created Swinter. It's summer and winter it's
0: winter yeah sure fuck it why not
1: (laughs) so yeah um watch an episode or two see what you think if you don't get into it from like the first two or three episodes you're probably not going to get into it much
0: okay all right i think it's got a bowling for soup song as its theme Remember Bowling for Soup? Not really. They apparently still exist. And have never stopped existing. Okay. Okay. And they released an EP last year.
1: Yeah. So anyway, um, on to more TV. Uh, Okay, well, let's get the thing that I have literally nothing to say about it other than it's been a while since a series managed to fit all three of the criteria for a bad show. It's boring, annoying, and dumb. It's APB. (laughs) Have you seen the commercials for this?
0: Oh, fuck no. As soon as I saw that there was a show called APB, I consciously made a decision to avoid everything having to do with
1: it. So, yeah. So... How best to describe this? Um who fucking cares? It's called A P B. Take the the first half of the plot of Iron Man and remove the good writing and Robert Downey Jr.'s charisma.
0: So it's an asshole in a cave?
1: Almost. Uh some asshole with a lot of money who makes stuff for different people and is arrogant and full of himself, has a black friend who tells him he needs to care more about himself. Black friend then dies in a uh, armed robbery in a, in a Quickie Mart type thing. And the rich asshole is then upset that the police can't really do anything from what he's had because they are stretched too thin and under-resourced, so they don't necessarily... They can't, even if they have... CSI capability. They don't have the budget or the resources to track down everything based on what has been provided. So he decides to take control of this district of the police and fund it and outfit it himself for great justice.
0: You know, like you do.
1: I mean, I think most people have seen. I mean if it worked
0: for if it worked for Robocop, why wouldn't it work for this show?
1: Yeah. And the and apparently the only uh ethical question they could ask with this proceeding was, why do you get to buy justice? Yeah, you know, that wouldn't be the first question I would ask if a rich asshole decided to take uh private control of a police district. I'd be like, So what happens if the crimes you discover interfere with your personal business or you know what if you just decide fuck it this isn't worth my time
0: yeah like you you can't really run the police like a business also i yeah also, I don't know how this will make you feel, but apparently this whole series is actually loosely based off of a New York Times magazine article written by a guy named David Amsden called Who Runs the Streets of New York? Hey i back, folks. Sorry about that. Uh, Birdie's router killed itself for a second.
1: Yep, not even just one thing. Literally, everything shat itself. <sighs> Alright. Sorry. So, um, uh,
0: you were talking about APB and I was I wanted to see your reaction uh to the fact that uh these, the fact that this show is loosely based off of a New York Times magazine article written by a guy named David Amsden uh that was called um Who Runs New Orleans?
1: Yeah. And I know there are there's problems with like a privatized sort of police force in New Orleans, but Not to this extent.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, are there any Hudsons in this?
1: Yep. And that's not the only sad, kind of hilarious thing. The gruff, take-no-nonsense, everyone-listens-to-him-police-sergeant-for-the-13th-district is Fusco from Person of Interest. Wait a it? Yep. That...
0: That seems... Stupid. Probably is. And like kind of a grab. Yep.
1: Maybe.
0: Yeah. Fusco? Seriously? (laughs) That's the guy you get? (laughs) Like nothing against Fusco. I love me some Fusco. But... He's not a fucking person you take orders from. Everybody knows that. That's the fucking joke. Remember that whole episode where he had to protect one number by himself and it was just him doing this fucking insane action hero shit off screen the entire time? Yep. Jesus Christ. His name is fucking Hauser. His name is Captain Raymond Hauser. Jesus Christ!
1: Yeah. So yeah, this show. This show is a joke. About. I would complain about the incompetence of the writing and the lack of charisma from all of the actors, even actors I know to be good. Hi, Ernie Hudson. But really, it's just boring.
0: Ernie, how much are they paying you, man? It, it's not worth it.
1: <laughs> like, I'm not... For a stretched thin, over overworked police department, they sure have a lot of people to sit around and watch the new boss play with his um, drone that drops concussion grenades on people.
0: You know, like you do when you're a cop. I know that as soon as the cops around here get drones, they'll be fucking bombing people, and it'll be hilarious.
1: Yeah, this guy was so proud of his (sighs) body armor that doesn't include any way to protect the face or neck. And his would-be kind of cool, non-lethal, it's an upgraded version of the taser, where it's kind of I don't know how to describe it really. It's the thing where it's, it like shoots out little uh, like pods that connect to the body and shoot an electrical current through it without the need for like a like a continued wire. If you know what I mean.
0: So it's a wireless stun gun.
1: Kind of, except the the pellets that it shoots out have are sort of have the same impact as rubber bullets.
0: Okay, so just so I'm getting this clear in my head, it shoots out a pellet that hits like a rubber bullet, but it has the effect of a taser. Yes. Okay. That sounds future
1: Yeah. It's like a shotgun but-
0: that shoots out a fucking base drop. Yeah.
1: And the reason that it's called APB, beyond the cheeky lim- uh, t- uh, reference to uh, police jargon... It's not fucking cheeky. Is, um
0: <laughs> they could have called this fucking any goddamn thing. They could have put, fucking said, hey, it's a bolo. Welcome to, this, welcome, to this, welcome to this new episode of Bolo. Which is police code for Beyond the Lookout.
1: But the specific reason they call it APB is that the other quote-unquote brilliant idea of this billionaire is the APB app, which means any smartphone can be used to call for help immediately instead of waiting on hold for 911. Uh. Wow! Wow! Huh. Deadman, did you know that uh, the voice of Steven Universe played Billy Batson on uh, Justice League War? I did not. The only reason I looked that up is because um, the lead actor for this, I guess you'd call it a show, APB, Justin Kirk, has all the charisma of Wet Flim, and I finally figured out why. He was the guy who played Hal Jordan in Justice League War. <laughs> Duh, God damn it!
0: That,
1: that that's the guy you've got leading your show. Couldn't get, couldn't get Jason O'Mara. Couldn't get Sean Astin. Couldn't can couldn't get Shamar Moore or, or Michelle Monahan. No, you've got the you couldn't guy, get no Jim
0: Caviezel. the fuck's he doing nowadays fighting against fighting against fucking vaccines I don't know pretty sure that's him I I remember
1: I remember this show
0: I remember I looked up Jim Caviezel not that long ago and he is some kind of some kind of fighting against
1: something okay Anyway, the show can just disappear.
0: Oh, okay. He was uh, he was in a, he was in an ad opposing Missouri Con- constitutional amendment two, which would allow um which would allow embryonic stem cell research.
1: Okay, I've literally run out of fucks to give about APB. I just need it to go away now. I don't, I, I don't care enough to hate it, and I definitely don't like it. It's just, don't worry. It just makes me sad.
0: Don't worry. It'll probably be canceled before its first season is done.
1: I don't know. Uh, actually, I don't know what studio is running
0: this. Fox, I think.
1: Fox? Okay. Well, hopefully Fox will be Fox and get rid of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, That's hopefully. I'm hoping
1: anyway. I, I can't, so yeah
0: I don't know what the I don't know what TV numbers really mean so I don't so I can't really say based on their rating information
1: yeah alright so let's see if I can speed up a little so that you don't have to spend too long waiting for me to finish it's um, fine I got
0: a lot of shit to talk about dude I I will yeah. I will happily wait
1: Legion is crazy as fuck.
0: Yes, I've been meaning to watch this.
1: Yeah, so, okay, I wasn't really interested in watching this because even if it was a TV show, it's based on the X-Men and it's tied to the Fox X-Men, even if it's Marvel television. And it was about an X-Men I'd never heard of, even if it sounded like kind of an interesting character. The thing that got me interested was, ooh, Dan Stevens. Yes. (laughs) Like... I don't think I've ever not liked Dan Stevens in anything.
0: Dan Stevens is a really good actor.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm not really all that interested in seeing Beauty and the Beast, but from what I've seen of this performance, it seems like he knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah, and like, fuck all that shit. He made The Guest. That is...
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, The, the Guest goes without saying.
0: That's kind of the beginning and end of the conversation about Dan Stevens for me.
1: Yeah. But anyway, um, Like so Down Abbey, about... fuck that
0: shit, dude. He is He's a fucking murder machine.
1: So yeah, Legion is about the son of Charles Xavier, who is more powerful than him, so much so to the fact that he can manipulate reality using his psychic abilities. Yep. And it's made it's so powerful it's made him crazy. To where he doesn't know what is real and what isn't.
0: Yes. Uh for those who have who for those who are kind of familiar with comics, uh, he's the dude with the like fucking Marge Simpson esque hair. And so he has um like this associative identity disorder where each one of the distinct personalities he has is a different superpower.
1: Yeah, they don't go that route with his character. In in this, it's schizophrenia. Okay. So he has voices in his head, but not different, distinct personalities. And he meets, and he just thinks he's a crazy person. And of course, and most of this episode, pilot episode, takes place in a mental hospital. But um, he meets, he has this, he has this female friend who's inappropriate and and weird looking, played by Aubrey Plaza, because of course, naturally. And he meets this girl, played by uh, Kate Heller, I think, or Sarah Heller. It's a Heller. Uh, Sid Bridget, who doesn't like to be touched. Uh,
0: Rachel Heller. And, uh,
1: yeah, and they establish a relationship where they act like quirky characters in an indie movie about crazy people. And it goes fine for a while. Until the, episode where she, until the part of the episode where she is being released and in a moment of panic, uh, he kisses her, which has the power of revealing two major problems. One, um, the reason she doesn't like to be touched is that she's a mutant who has the power that if you touch her skin, she switches bodies with you. Okay. And that's weird enough, but it's weirder when they switch with her, because when she's in his body, she has none of his control over his abilities, so his powers go ape shit. <laughs> and by ape shit, I mean everyone is put into a room, and then the doors no longer exist. So everyone's banging on these doors, on these walls, trying to get out of their rooms, but there's no door to let them out of their room in. Except for Aubrey Plaza, who didn't quite make it all the way into her room and materialized in the middle of the be- of the door being replaced with a wall. Ew. So yeah, you see her half in, half out of the wall bleeding through the paint. Okay then. Yeah. So at some point during the episode, uh, uh, young Xavier is released because things get crazy and he he tries to find Sid but there's no record of her so he wonders what happened to her but he gets picked up by someone asking what happened to a girl who died who he had been trying to find and he thinks he might have hurt her but it's revealed no these people are monitoring him because they know him to be the most powerful psychic in the world so much so that their debate why can't we, we really should just kill him now? we have him under control only because he's not focusing his powers on anything because he thinks he's crazy. If he stops thinking he's crazy, we're fucked <laughs> and the extent of his powers and his craziness is apparent in a after, after he left the hospital, he goes to visit his sister and while he's in the basement, Aubrey Plaza shows up in front of him and says Hey, no, I'm dead. No, it's okay. You killed me. I mean, yeah, she was the one in charge of your body when the powers went loose, but that's your fault because you got crazy and stupid. So now I'm just a voice in your head. I didn't think you'd actually kill me. That's rude.
0: I'm assuming that plays better with Aubrey Plaza's delivery. What? I'm assuming that that lion plays better with Aubrey Aubrey Plaza's delivery.
1: Oh yeah, no, I can't do that that deadpan gives no fucks delivery Aubrey Plaza master. The closest I ever got was when she played one of the two crazy water tribe sisters on Legend of Korra. It's like, wait, so are we are you my boy are you my am I your slave or your boyfriend? Yes.
0: Right, yeah, she played that girl. Fuck, I forgot about that.
1: Yeah.
0: I need to that watch Korra
1: again. I got the whole Blu-ray for 30 for 20 bucks on, at, on sale. I didn't. No. But, um, yeah, so crazy shit happens. And at the end of the episode, uh, when he starts trying to use his powers, they gas him and then tie him to a chair and put him in a pool tied to, a, and with electric cables in the pool. So if they press a button, char- power goes through it. So they think this will stop him. Oh. And it does. It, it almost does, but then um a mutant resistance comes shows comes up to save him, including Sid. Naturally. Yeah. And murders them royally. Like I was actually I know this is t- uh, cable television because this is on FX and not Fox or anything like that. But you see people die in this Like, um, Sid is using, um, I'm not sure how this works exactly, but because of, uh, Xavier's power, Legion's powers as a psychic, uh, someone can confer information to him through his memories by, because if he's crazy, like he's so powerful as a psychic, his schizophrenia can give him information from other people's minds.
0: It's best not to think too much about how psychicism works.
1: (laughs) So he gets under the water, and a giant explosion happens in the pool area, and you see roasted bodies fall into the pool from every side.
0: Well, yeah, this is from fucking the people that brought you Fargo.
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Holly. Yep. I think it's Noah Hawley, the guy who and apparently several of the cast just signed on because it was Noah Hawley and they loved working on Fargo, which I kind of respect.
0: Yeah, dude, fuck it. That Fargo's Of the many good things you can say about Fargo, there are many. Among them are the fact that the cast just seems like they're having a fucking great time.
1: Yep. And uh, so he escapes with this mutant resistance and meets someone named Miss Bird, who needs him for something. But uh, he's not sure it's real, because he keeps, he keeps seeing this guy with a fat jowl and a giant yellow gut with, with beady red eyes, who I think is that guy who traps people and uses them for, like, game amusement What's that character. Arcade. Like, the fat character with, like, the spider... Oh, fuck, right, him.
0: Shit, Uh, No. I want to say Mongo?
1: I think that's right, but I don't know for certain. But he keeps showing up, and we're not sure if it's real or not. That's, of course, going to be a big thing going forward with this series, what's real and what isn't, when we're following a character who clearly has no grasp of reality. But it's a fun ride so far. The first episode was free, and it's a good 70 minutes ahead trip. It's gorgeous. You will feel like you're crazy while watching it. Mojo. Mojo, okay. That's, that's that
0: fucker's that name. Could...
1: Yeah. And wasn't there something Mogo in uh, D.C.? Is that the is that the planet that's Mongol? No, no, the, the... The planet, the planet is, that's oh, a Green
0: Lantern? Oh, the, oh, the planet Green Lantern. Uh, I think so?
1: But anyway, this is not the comics podcast. We been- This is
0: not <laughs> the comics podcast. <sighs>
1: <sighs> anyway. But, so yeah. Uh, Legion is supposed to be eight episodes. The I'm first episode... Sure ex- oh, crap. God, <laughs> just, shut up, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um... So sticking with the, uh, the uh, with the comic book train, Dead Man. Let's talk about Dead Man specifically his role in Justice League Dark.
0: Okay, how did I do?
1: Uh, you were very you were very Bostony. Of course, I was. <laughs> so, who, do you know who all's in this?
0: Uh, everyone.
1: Most of the magical characters. Uh, So, so whereas Killing Joke was R-rated and kind of unnecessarily so because it was mostly just squick value more than anything, this kind of needed to be R-rated because this plays out kind of like an animated Hellblazer comic. Because the first ten minutes is the Justice League stopping people from killing other people that think they're demons, including a scene where a woman... Has having given birth to her baby is about to drop it off the top top of a church, and when Batman saves it, she then throws herself off.
0: Naturally, and well, it is rated R.
1: Yeah, and Batman initially, uh, puh, because goes, goes puh at the I thought of the idea of magic, which it's is fucking weird magic, considering. <laughs> but then he goes home and finds someone has written Constantine on his on his uh, mirror while he's shaving, and then he goes into his uh, bedroom and finds Constantine written in red all over his room, and he's like... You know, and while I was watching this, I was like, Damn it, Alfred! <laughs> oh,
0: sorry, sir. I just thought you needed a new coat of paint. Ha-ha! <laughs> Here's your sandwich.
1: But, um... So Batman goes to see Zatanna... Who she? Who he thinks? Rightfully so, but thinks that he knows where John. She, she knows where John Constantine is. And initially, she says no, but then Dead Man pres, pu, um, possesses Batman and says, "Hey, you got to tell this guy who. Uh, you got to tell this guy where Batman. I can't do a Boston. Hey, fuck forget
0: about it. Tell this fucking what Batman. Tell this fucking what Constantine is. Hey, yeah. claim chowder. How do you like them apples? Fuck off. Yeah, and goodbye to everybody so, from Boston. <laughs>
1: So yeah, the dead man, Zatanna, and Batman drive towards where they think, uh, where Zatanna thinks they will be able to find Constantine. Which is a little difficult because I think this is from the Justice League Dark comic. Um, Constantine moves around using the House of Mystery. Yes. Okay, because I never read that comic, so I wasn't familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. The 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 House of Mystery.
0: The House of Mystery was. Owned by Constantine, it was set up as the just as the, as the dark space of operations, and it kind of yeah. took them where it, it it took them where they needed to go. Also, I did not think that Boston Brand was actually from Boston. <laughs> that must have been a bit of a bitch when he was growing up. Oh, apparently he has a twin brother named Cleveland. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
1: you know he's got, got his new yorkish friend and then he, then he has to go see his sister california and he he hates georgia
0: yeah and then he has his uh he has, you know his his cousin who you know lives abroad uh but you know he does he do, he he shows up in his canada his name's samoa uh
1: but yeah so while the stuff with Batman, Deadman, and uh, Dead Batman, Satan is going on, oh, fuck, uh, Constantine is playing cards with three demons and Jason blood.
0: Well, this can only end well. <laughs> also, I, just looked at, both- I, I looked this up. I don't know how I got here. But did you know that Alan Scott the original Green Lantern, had a sidekick named doi dickles What? Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern, had a sidekick named doi dickles <laughs> Now, it's supposed to be Derby-Dickles, uh. but because of his accent, he pronounces it doi And so everybody spells it doi and now, I can't not say it. I can't just say doibi. I have to say doibi.
1: Yeah. Fuck so me. The de- both the demons and Constantine cheat.
0: Of course they fucking of do. Of course
1: they do. And p- p- pulling a dick move, Constantine, does the- not powerful enough to deal with the three demons, uh, uses a magical spell to take control of Jason Blood long enough to make him summon Etrigan. To which, when I was watching this movie with Cora, he's like, yeah, that's a Constantine move.
0: <laughs> and so Etrigan rhymes the entire time, right? Yes, he does. Sick. <laughs> I actually...
1: Including the line. I, I can't remember the context, but I'm pretty sure um, the movie cuts him off from saying son of a whore when talking about Constantine. <laughs> I
0: text from superheroes did a thing yeah. with Etrigan where their whole thing was like, Oh no, he doesn't, he doesn't have to rhyme. He's just really big into hip hop. So he's just dropping bars the entire time.
1: I'm not good at rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so Batman and Zatanna and Deadman are driving down the road. And
0: there's then a, a
1: tornado with a face attacks them.
0: That's a whole sentence. Yep. <laughs>
1: <sighs> and luckily, um, Constantine shows up with the house of mystery fast enough for them to get in before the tornado eats them again. That's another sentence. Yeah. And, this was the weirdest part for me, and i i've had there's no end to the minor d c. magical characters that are in this. Felix Faust is in this <laughs> swamp uh. thing is in this the swamp uh, thing, I, of, the and, thing
0: I get it's just Felix Faust, that fucking dick
1: <laughs> Felix but, Faust um, has
0: sold his soul to so many demons.
1: But here's the here's the. Uh, do you want to see this? Because I don't want to spoil it. If you if you want to see this,
0: uh, yeah, of course I want to fucking see it.
1: Okay, well I won't spoil it then. But um, this is the part I didn't get. Neil Gaiman's version of Black Orchid is in the House of Mystery.
0: And it's not just in it. It is the House of Mystery.
1: Oh, that's actually canon. I thought that was just like something that was happening.
0: <laughs> oh no! Here's the thing. Black Orchid is not connected to the House of Mystery at all. She is like in the Black Orchid in the uh, in the Justice League Dark comic. She was more connected to Swamp Thing than she was to the House of Mystery.
1: That makes sense.
0: <laughs> However, this this uh, Black Orchid is a manifestation of the house itself.
1: Yeah, they explained that, but I didn't quite get if that meant that this was an actual black organ that existed because the house wished it, or this was just the image the house decided to take to talk with people.
0: According to the internet, this version is depicted as a manifestation of the house mystery's magical aura with a desire to experience human nature.
1: Yeah, that's what she said.
0: Eventually, and- eventually, apparently she, and Dad, apparently she and Boston want to fuck each other. Or something. Because the two of them yeah. form a bond and eventually join each other as kindred spirits. Better be careful when fuck in fucking a house. You don't want to get fucking termites.
1: Yeah. Uh, Remember, when you fuck your house, you're fucking by... everybody
0: else who that house has slept with.
1: Yeah. This is, of course, followed by uh, uh, the guy who played Constantine on the most recent TV show saying... Well, I think it's about time we have that uh chin that chin wipe out now. Which I mean, if someone's gonna play Constantine, it should be him. But.
0: I know who it is, but that accent made me question for a second.
1: Yeah, I know. I can't i am not Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> but he does have great lines like, No, all wizards are a bit torched in the head, but you're a full blown nota.
0: Just just stop trying. Okay if you couldn't tell from that fucking amazing accent <laughs> we're talking about Matt Ryan he was Constantine on, yeah. in, he was Constantine on the show uh, in, he showed up in the Arrow for a bit he had his own CWC show and he's pretty much been Constantine for the last like year and a half or two
1: because why wouldn't he be
0: yeah he's he's pretty great in in the role he actually just head to toe he kinda is Constantine,
1: yeah, but yeah, there's plenty of great scenes in it um the Justice League Dark fight a literal shit monster, I mean obviously, yeah why wouldn't you? uh Batman scares death
0: again, obviously.
1: And there's this great line where the house is sort of like assessing Batman, and it says like, "You have known pain your entire life. It has defined your character. How do you deal with it all the time?" Which Batman turns and tells the house, "I have a butler."
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really weird. Like, uh, remember the early trailers for this movie? I want to I want to know what the de- I want to know when the decision was made and why it was made to have batman not believe in magic.
1: Yeah, I don't get that either, particularly since a I thought Wonder Woman would have explained all magic shit at least somewhat by this point. Yeah. And they mentioned other magic shit related to that also, so
0: Yeah, and it just like, comes and like off as weird. In the original trailers for this, it was Batman who said, "Hey, let's go hunt down Constantine." Like, yo, yo, this is magic. We need Constantine.
1: Yeah. That was essentially that a line
0: scene. from the trailer. And then at a certain point, the trailer was like, fucking magic, you dorks.
1: Yeah, I don't know when that change was made. It doesn't make much sense to me, but whatever. Um, Yeah, no, this is really good. Great action scenes. Uh, it's directed by Sam Liu, who no, it's directed That's not necessarily... Hmm?
0: So this is directed by Jay Oliva.
1: Oh, really? It's not Sam Liu? I could have sworn... Oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh, I was watching Planet Hulk earlier, and Sam Liu is one of the guys who does a lot of the DC animated stuff. Yeah. In, in particular, the, the last thing before Killing Joke, uh, Justice League vs. Teen Titans.
0: Yeah, that that was good.
1: And it's going to come back because the next movie they do after Justice League Dark is The Judas Contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I'm looking forward to both because I'm a fan of the Titans. and Well, one, because I'm a fan of the Titans. Two, because I liked Justice League versus the Teen Titans. And three, um, Miguel Ferrer passed away recently and he voiced Deathstroke in it. Yeah. So I kind of want to support that.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So yeah, uh, definitely watch Justice League Dark. Uh, I do... I, I don't know if this was more true in the Justice League Dark comic or not, but uh, Kor was complaining that he felt Constantine was using too much overt sorcery in this.
0: Uh, It's been a while since I've read it, but they had other people there to do overt sorcery. Uh, Constantine mostly just had the house and was a dick to everybody.
1: Which is what Constantine is.
0: Yeah, I remember a good chunk of that book is characters saying, Fuck you, Constantine. (laughs)
1: yeah and there's plenty of that in this too so yeah uh definitely watch justice league dark okay okay oh god i'm doing this so out of order i don't know what to do next uh ju-ju-ju-ju. Ooh, okay this will be let's get let's get bad horror stuff out of the way okay um, so so dead man you yeah, you love bad horror Maybe like talking about it, maybe not watching it. Um, so
0: I'm not sure. I've, I'm not, man, not sure if I would say yes to either of those, but sure, fuck it, why not?
1: So, Caveman Man talked me into going to a bad January PG-13 horror movie in the theater. The Bye so Bye Man. I had to be a little drunk, for, huh? The Bye yeah. Bye Man. So yes, let's, uh, <laughs> <Is> not, <it? laughs> let's, let's 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 speak about it. Appropriate, dead man. So there's this force called the
2: Bye Bye Man.
1: Bye bye, and he's very scary because whenever you say the bye bye man, uh, he gets closer.
0: You know, like Candlejack.
1: Yeah, and he makes you—he makes you crazy, and makes you see things that aren't there, and
0: you know, like a horror movie villain.
1: And the only way to beat him. Is to kill everyone who you told the words the bye bye the bye bye man to, and then kill yourself.
0: So, so you can't really beat him. You just can't let him win.
1: Basically, but the main characters all kill each other and then kill themselves by the end anyway. So and it doesn't seem to have worked because one of them survives the house fire that was meant to kill the rest of them and is about to tell the most depressing casting choice for this movie: Carrie Ann Moss the word to spread the virus up. The bye-bye, man. And uh, there's not much else I want to say about this movie other than, well, there's a couple things. One, uh, about 10 minutes, I, I stuck alcohol in, and Caden was like, oh, I don't need this. It's not that bad. He needed but, it. Um, about 10 minutes in, I offered it, and he took it.
0: I'm surprised that I'm surprised that you, I'm surprised that you actually had to offer it to him. I'm surprised you didn't just like go like I mean you want you just look down it's just gone.
1: Yep. The other thing, and I don't know if you've seen this in any of the trailers, but um, the Bye-Bye man has a hellhound.
0: I saw the is, I saw the half in the bag for this.
1: Yeah, which is bad CG animation.
0: Oh yeah, it, it's like a bunch of fucking meatloaf on a dog skeleton.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be a hellhound, but to me it just looks like a giant CG gopher. Like a CG version of... Uh,
0: what's coming across in the mic sounds more like a hellhound.
1: Yeah, a little bit.
0: Hopefully they got picked but, up in um, the actual recording.
1: Yeah, I know. But what's funny is uh, if they wanted to make this thing scary, the first time you see it they do the most least scary thing possible they have a little girl looking into a door on one side of the room, and on the other side of the room... Is that... Um, is... No, is it? it sticks its head out of the door and goes Rrr.
2: Wait, what the fuck? Seriously?
1: Yeah, it just sits there with its head out of the door for a few seconds, and then goes back in. <laughs> And this happened more than and they did this this reveal more than once in the course of the movie to the point where I started making jokes to uh caveman er, y'all doing okay in here okay just checking' Just
0: a, checking. a bunch er. of fucking spam voiced by Tim Allen <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious, although it did make me sad who was uh playing the bye, bye, man. It's the guy who uh, did the the physical acting for Abe Sapien and Hellboy, Duncan Jones.
0: Yeah, fucking Doug Jones, man. That dude is Doug
1: Jones.
0: is a fucking prolific, heavy makeup actor. And one, and every time I fucking saw that on this fucking profile on IMDb or whatever, I'm just like, oh, dude, come on.
1: Well, it can't be any worse for Carrie Ann Moss, who just got done with Jessica Jones and then does this. <laughs>
0: God damn it, this fucking shit.
1: <laughs> Apparently no one can escape the, uh, bad January horror films for long. Dead man. Nobody. I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio was in rings.
0: Vincent D'Onofrio was currently in Emerald city and that fucking shit.
1: <laughs> I wonder if because of daredevil, he just said, you know, what? You know what? I don't care. You know what? I'm, and fucking, I've established I, myself as I, a great actor. I'll just do stuff for paychecks.
0: No, dude, he already established himself as a good actor.
1: Yeah.
0: Fucking, one of the polls for that series was Vincent goddamn D'Onofrio. Like, on top, like, if it was, if this series, if Daredevil, wasn't part of Marvel, they would be hyping that shit up with fucking saying, starring Vincent D'Onofrio plus some other cunt as Daredevil, but Vincent fucking D'Onofrio... Ah, <sighs> call got dropped again, didn't it?
1: Can you not hear me?
0: No, you were. It sounded like you were muted or something.
1: Okay, sorry. Maybe I had it on the wrong button. But yeah, no. Um, the bye bye man is shit.
0: That's fucking obviously. I like. kind of
1: expected it to be. It was amusing for a while. I had plenty of fun with the stupid, dormless g- demon dog going. <laughs> so I guess and coming it soon. Worse when they. <laughs> yeah, probably it got worse when they pulled a, uh, a sci-fi channel thing and had the CG not there at all. Hellhound trying to eat someone who was on screen. Uh-huh. And I, I think they kind of accomplished it by having someone in a in a green screen suit just kind of push the body.
0: Yeah, it was like, "Hey, I'm being a scurry. Be <laughs> scurred at me."
1: Yeah. All right, so to finish up uh horror on the horror part. I had a, a speaking of Caveman, I had an interesting conversation with him about a movie where he and I were talking about movies, about the things we liked and didn't like about them, and they... The weird part to me at first was we were saying, talking about the same movie, there was enough similarity for it to be so, but there were these weird, distinct differences where I was like, "What are we talking about the same movie? To where I found out, I was talking about the original, and he was talking about the remake. So, let's talk about The Fog. Ah, okay. Yeah. So... The original John Carpenter's The Fog went on sale recently, so I picked it up because I was trying to fill in holes in my uh good period of Carpenter films. And have you got
0: Ghost of Mars great- yet? Hmm? Have you got Ghosts of Mars I said, yet?
1: I said good period, didn't I?
0: Come on, dude, Ice Cube.
1: Mm, yeah no.
0: Natasha Hensridge. You know, the fucking name most associated with horror gold. <laughs> like, the Species series.
1: Yeah. Or the, the brilliant Carpenter film, Escape from L.A.
0: She was Escape from L.A.?
1: Yeah. It was the sequel to Escape from New York 10, 15 years later.
0: I know what it was. I just didn't know that she was
1: in it. I think she was in the background. But yeah, so The Fog is kind of a basic, almost literal campfire ghost story because it starts with an old man telling a ghost story to a bunch of kids at the pier, but it has this weird structure where the first 20 minutes is shit going weird and crazy, where the fog rolls in, electronics go weird, stuff starts breaking, car alarms go off, animals freak out. Some people die via hooks and stabbings. And then it stops. And about like 1 a.m., I think, because supposedly the 13th hour, the witching hour, 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. And then for like the next 30, 40 minutes, there's an occasional spooky thing happening, but it's mostly just trying to figure out what happened the night before and what the cause of it was and this results and there's plenty of amazing actors in this and actresses, but what basically the story is in eighteen seventy one uh, a a rich a rich um shipping magnate with who had contracted leprosy uh contacted the people of this town, Antonio Bay and offered to buy property or land from near them for their leprosy colony. The uh, heads of the of the of the town deceived them and turned off the uh, lighthouse where they were supposed to dock, and so they just ran ashore on the rocks and all died. The gold was retrieved and used to build up the town. Now over. Roughly a hundred years later, in the original Seer book and the original movie versus the remake, the ghosts have returned for descendants or relatives of the six original people who had them all slaughtered for their money. And it's just basically a ghost story. the this fog rolls in. You see the shapes of people with like hooks and blades and red eyes. The makeup's not that great. That's gonna probably hide it with a lot of the fog machine stuff. Yeah, but it's great atmosphere above everything else, and also a weirdly amazing cast, where of mostly just scream queens. Actually, uh, you've got the original scream queen Janet Lee from Psycho, oh, playing yeah, the fun. mayor, playing uh, one of the heads of the town. Her uh. uh You've got Jamie Lee Curtis, Janet Lee's actual daughter, playing someone who wandered into town on the worst night ever. And the voice of the radio in this town, Adrian Barbeau. Yes. Yeah. And that's a sexy, sexy voice. Yeah, yeah, girl. And and I still don't know how they did this. There's this weird effect in the middle of the movie where uh, Adrian Barbeau has a son and he occasionally goes down to the beach to find stuff, as most kids that are eight or nine years old would. Yeah. And he finds this piece of the boat that sank over a hundred years ago and gives it to his mom who brings it into his office, into her office at the radio station to where I still don't know how they did this. I'd have to look at it again or I'd have to find special features. Like You know how in uh, Stranger Things that science teacher was explaining how they did the effects for the thing. Yeah. I kind of hope someone, how they get to do that in season two, because you know, that's coming out in October. So
2: yay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. But, but, um, they have this plank of wood that just starts releasing water. And then lights on fire. <laughs>
0: you know like you do
1: yeah again don't know how they did it but it's impressive effect and because the uh <laughs> because the plank of wood was resting on top of her recorder it starts sp- speaking hell messages naturally yeah so the fog rolls in again the next night and everyone's like uh what kind of fog flies against the wind eh. <laughs> demon fog that's what kind of fog yeah, and uh, the only the big problem with the with the original movie, and it kind of plays into the remake too, is that it's very loose. Like, beca- I guess because they're like, "Oh, it's ghosts. We don't need to explain much of anything." They don't really make it clear how anything works. Like, there's this guy who was killed by the ghosts of the fog, and his body is in the morgue. And then it wakes up and walks a few feet to try to strangle someone before it falls down and nothing happens after that. Huh. And yeah. There's this uh, lush of a priest who finds his uncle. It, literally the first night at the beginning of the film uh, his chimney explodes for some reason or like maybe because of leprosy. Know, like some, some, yeah, And in the in a wall part of the chimney is the journal of his ancestor who explains why they killed these lepers to get their money. Or at least let them die. And, yeah, uh, the last 20-30 minutes is different different people trying to stay out of the fog, or trying to figure out what the fog wants. Uh, It seems that what they want is the cross that the, the, the Good Catholic priest, you know greed uses all the gold he got from the lepers to make a giant gold cross for his church <sighs>
0: <sighs> fucking people,
1: yeah, but uh returning the cross and having allowing himself to be killed seem seems to stop the fog but who but it ends on one of those. Who knows? Notes. Because, you know, ghost story. Yeah. But effective soundtrack, really good cast, impressive use of effects. It's weirdly, like I said, it's weirdly structured that the first 20 minutes shit gets real and then it just stops for the next 40, 45 minutes until it gets real again.
0: Also, the soundtrack, uh, just for anybody who's wondering, was done by John Carpenter.
1: Yeah. No, he did most of this himself on the cheap. Because, you know, in the seventies and eighties, the man was a master.
0: Yeah, it was like if Roger yeah. Corman made like I can't, I can't really say that he's kind of like Roger Corman. Then just period.
2: Yeah,
0: is like Same Roger Corman made a lot of like Roger Corman made a lot of good movies. Was a fucking efficient filmmaker. Made stuff on the cheap and has a lot of shit.
1: Yep, much but like John unfortunately, Carpenter. But unfortunately, uh Caveman had never heard of the original John Carpenter movie. He had only seen the 2005 remake.
0: Ah, uh, yes, the one starring Tom Welling.
1: Yep. Which takes all of the most interesting characters and boils them down to a uh scream-style uh teen beat romance thing, except for Selma Blair who is a mom in this which I initially thought was weird, but apparently she's like ten or fifteen years older than everyone else in the cast, except for the the priests and the elders of the of the ch- of the school. Oh shit,
0: she's in her fucking forties. So
1: yeah, so she was technically old enough to have a kid. It was just weird because she looks younger than Adrian Barbeau did in the original Fog. Um. So yeah, the main girl in this is Mary Elizabeth Winstead, which made me kind of sad because she's playing blonde chick in a horror movie. Wait, no, just what? Not... Fucking
0: Mary Elizabeth Winstead? No, that's Maggie Grace.
1: Is that Maggie
0: Grace? Just... Yeah, Mary, Mary right, Elizabeth I... Winstead is not in this movie.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I, conf- I, I get those two confused a little bit. I don't <laughs> know why. They have similar faces, I think. <laughs> I'm sorry. (laughs) But, um, yeah. Uh, so in typical teen slasher movie fashion, all of the, um, beautiful white people in this town are linked somehow to ancestors who were killers of these people. Naturally. And it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more ridiculous than last time because, uh, in the first one, they just—it's just implied that the the heads of the town let the boat run aground and them all drown. In this, the heads of the town got on board the leprosy ship, killed everyone, and set the boat on fire to let it sink.
0: You know, like you do.
1: Yeah, and whereas this was explained through the the the, the, the criminal acts of the elders were explained through the journal in the course of the, of the original movie. It's just kind of happening on screen at certain points during the progression of the film. To the point where you, by the end of the film, you everything's explained enough. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Not well, but enough. And of course, this being an early two thousands horror movie, there's a lot of bad CG boo scares.
0: Yeah, naturally. Uh, if I remember like, right, like isn't it in this one, like when the fog rolls in, it like summons the ghosted lepers that give people super lepers. They give people super leprosy or something.
1: Yeah, like it gives people leprosy and such powerful leprosy that they melt. a la, like like the pumpkin bomb. It really looks like the way people die from, like, the scarabs and the mummy.
0: Yeah, I remember there was, like, I remember there was, like, a lady, she was, like, reaching into her sink or something to unclog the drain, then a hand fucking jumped up, and then her arm just turned into, like, a fucking burnt piece of bacon.
1: Yeah, and then she just melted. And she was even less of a useful character than in the first movie, where she just seemed kind of dense, but, like, a nice person, until she opened the door when the fog was outside, and because... There was this also this weird rule in the first movie where for some reason, if you didn't open the door the creatures of the fog could not enter your house, which they seem to hold to for the most part but no this it doesn't seem to matter at all so I don't know why anyone's safe from the ghosts at any given time because I mean they're not solid <laughs> yeah. and they even have a they even have a a really stupid scene where the crazy old, you know, the, the crazy old white guy in horror like, you're all gonna die! Yeah. Ah, yeah. Is, is uh, doing the metal detector thing on the beach and finds the anchor and tries to pull an entire ship to shore by himself and just ends up drowning himself. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be scary, but it's just kind of funny. <sighs> So, people die in stupid CG ways, like, uh, the town mayor, uh, gets cut to pieces by CG glass floating through the air.
2: <laughs> oh.
1: And, uh, the, ma- the the, uh, elder priest, he, I don't know, uh, Touches the contract that the head of the lepers was book had, had was proof of his ownership of the land and burns and this was also and this also leads to the weirdest part of it uh, Maggie Grace is somehow the descendant of the wife of the main leper and when they kiss she becomes that. That leper's wife and disappears with them.
0: You know, genetic memory.
1: Like she, she dies, becomes a ghost of her ancestor, and disappears with them, which feels like something out of that bullshit haunting remake. <laughs> it's about family, Grandpa. Yeah.
2: Oh,
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Uh, so I felt really bad for Caveman once I figured out that I had oh, seen the original and he had seen it.
0: Is a little correction. It wasn't that she was the descendant, it's that she was the reincarnation.
1: Oh, that's worse. <laughs>
0: yeah, she was the descendant of one of the fuckers who killed him. It's just, she's actually fucking, his, his lover's spirit brought back to dot, 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 fuck it, who gives a shit. Fuck this movie, coming yeah. soon.
1: I'm not sure you want to do that it's tad too boring to make fun of we'll see yeah but written by the guy who wrote The Core
0: hey The Core is a fucking dumbass movie but there's at least shit happening in it
1: and directed by the guy who made blank check
0: that tracks
1: (laughs) yeah so yeah uh i felt bad for gay man i need to make it actually uh the director got his start directing mc hammer music videos
0: so naturally he was the perfect choice to direct a fucking john carpenter remake
1: yep And John Carpenter
0: served as a producer on that, and I'm just imagining him standing there drinking the entire time.
1: Yeah, his wife signed off on it too, so they must have just been. They either were just like, fuck it, or they thought that this. I I don't. Like, had any of their films been remade yet? Several have been remade by this point, but I don't know if any had been remade by that
0: point. Uh, By 2005.
1: um... Because the only other one I could think of that might have been made by that point. Is assault.
0: assault on Precinct 13, I think.
1: Uh, that was the same year, so that might yeah, have been. Came, yeah, it came out at the
0: beginning of the year.
1: Okay, so that had come out. So they were maybe not convinced yet that Hollywood was going to completely fuck over their properties, but they were by that point. Yeah,
0: like Assault on Precinct 13 was. The remake is. Passable. It, yeah, it's like. It's a 60. It is a. It is a. You know, met the bare minimum to not be bad. Yeah. What I'm waiting for is the Ghost of Mars remake.
1: You know, that would be one of the weird instances where, honestly, the remake probably would... It could be worse, but it wouldn't really be any worse.
0: Now that fucking Ice Cube's a big name.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if they brought back Triple X, why else might not bring back something stupid from the late 90s, early 2000s?
0: <sighs> yeah, that shit's fucking. And Mars mother. is
1: a big thing too.
0: <laughs> so yeah, uh, the it's like, I have
1: it's like to Doom, get, Doom if Doom was even shittier. <laughs> yeah, and actually, speaking of uh, stuff coming back, did you? Uh, I'll bring it up in the news. Actually, um, so yeah, this was not good. I felt bad that Caveman had only ever seen the shitty remake and not the original. We we got into a conversation of, what movies would you be most sad to learn people had only seen the remake of?
0: (laughs) I've only seen the the remake of The Fog.
1: Yeah, it's like, I've only seen the remake of RoboCop.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) No. You sit that person that was- down and immediately put on RoboCop, and then once that finishes, start RoboCop two. <laughs> and then you, you, and, then you def- and then you take a, and then you take the fucking copies of RoboCop three and the remake and burn them in the yard. <laughs> fucking PG thirteen RoboCop bullshit. Peter Wells aren't even in the third one. He's a
1: jetpack. <laughs> it's super Japanophobic.
0: <laughs> Fuck that movie. Robocop 2 runs on Nuke. It's fucking great.
1: I will point out you just defended a Frank Miller script.
0: Frank Miller could write once. <laughs> that doesn't change the fact that his now like syphilis and cocaine-destroyed mind couldn't fucking put together one sentence without repeating nine of the words in it. <laughs>
1: yeah so uh
0: and just with, about and just it. with that with that sentence it actually is kind of surprising because of that sentence there are only five words, so repeating nine of them is actually really impressive
1: yeah well, uh this is going to end on a weird note uh, I watched um Fellini's eight and a half I've never even heard of that. Uh, Francesco Fellini was a famous, uh, art house Italian director in the 1950s and 1960s.
0: Sounds like it. And
1: eight and eight and a half is a film about a Italian film director who is renowned for making films, who is watching his current film basically fall apart around him. Like the script sucks. He can't get the cast he wants or the money, uh, he keeps sleeping with other actors and actresses while his wife is visiting since she's the head writer. So typical.
0: So, you know, no instance of autobiography in here at all.
1: Yeah. And there's this, uh, I'm not going to pretend to explain what happens because it also gets into Italian magical realism. So there's. The, I, I would. Scenes. I would
0: say. I would like sarcastically say, like you do, but yeah, that actually all sounds about right.
1: Yeah. But the with the weird uh, ultimate theme of the movie is the director wants to make a movie about real life, no artifice, no lies, no pretensions about society, and basically learns that life and movies, life is no less based on lies, pretensions, and misappropriations than film. And so it thus ends with his real life becoming like a stage set scene play as the the, uh, set for the film falls apart around him. Okay, then. Not sure what else I can say about that. It's just, it was... I'd heard I'm sure it's a classic to some people I it's just not my thing it's a a little too self-indulgent and uninterested in whether or not the audience is behind the the project of the director
0: Yeah it's this is a fucking this is a this fe- the way you described it, it sounds like a bit of a circle jerk.
1: Yeah. And to be fair, Italian art house film, it's entirely possible. it is a circle jerk, but
0: yeah, I mean, it's, a, I, was, I mean, it's a, it's a fucking art house filmmaker making a film about filmmaking.
1: Yeah. I guess that's kind of unavoidable to some extent. Yeah. But, like, uh, anyway, I don't know. It, it was, I had fun watching it, but I, can't really recommend it to most people. It's one of the nichier things I've ever watched.
0: Okay, I look forward to it appearing on Browse El High.
1: I think it probably already has, but who knows. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's it and we me.
0: and we may never know because half of the fucking archive is still not uploaded yet.
1: Yep.
0: So anyway. Uh, I watched one movie and a bunch of T V shows. I finally watched Doctor Strange. Pretty good movie. Yeah, it is. It's pretty good. I got into a weird thought in my head thinking about it. Okay. So once we got to the point in the movie where they were in the mirror world and Kaecilius and his followers had made it just so fucking trippy. I was thinking to myself... I was thinking to myself about the Marvel movie. You know what I'm talking about when I say that, right? Like the like the fucking format that Marvel makes its origin stories yeah, out of, Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. and the, the, the template.
0: Yeah, and I began thinking, and I and I began thinking about the Ubisoft game. Okay. So this is a so this is kind of a video game thing. So Ubisoft is a French developer and publisher. They make Assassin's Creed. They make the Splinter Cell. They made Watchdogs and for the last few years, pretty much all of their games have been going through the same formula. It's an open-world story with some kind of like parkour or free-running elements where you have to climb towers in order to unlock, mini- in order to unlock like, objectives on the map. And once you do that, then there are fucking collectibles everywhere. It's this huge fucking thing where pretty much every single one of their games has followed that formula, even the one where you were a car. Sure. Yeah, there there was a game where you where you where you, where you as a car had to climb a tower in order to fucking unlock mini in order to unlock fucking side objectives. Okay, and I just think talk, when people talk about the Marvel movie, it's brought up as a yeah, like the Marvel movie will eventually fucking wear out, but so far it hasn't. And then when I and then like I'm thinking talking about the fucking Ubisoft game. I played and beat Watch Dogs too recently, and went and talked about that. And one of the complaints about one of the complaints I had about it was the fact that it was the Ubisoft game. But one of my complaints is not that it was the Marvel movie.
1: Yeah. So it was just okay. So, so you're curious as to whether or not your, why, why what Marvel work does with its template works better than what Ubisoft does with every one of its games.
0: Yeah, like, I don't know if it is just the difference in the medium. Like with games they expect like a bit more iteration so having the game so having the same game basically come out all the time. But then I but then like Call of Duty is fucking doing Gangbusters.
1: Well, I mean, well it yeah, was. they're like, not well, Yeah, well cuz uh Infinite Warfare it did okay, it but it's gotten for a, a while where, there. But, but, yeah, actually, that's, a, a weird,
0: that's the weirdest thing. That game fucked up because it was trying to because it like started doing other stuff. It was like, "Hey, yeah, let's go to fucking space. That's new for Call of Duty." And then everyone's like, "Fuck you. Titanfall's better." And then, and then nobody started playing Titanfall because Titanfall I tried to play Titanfall 2 yesterday. Fucking nobody was online.
1: Yeah, I've that's what I was afraid I've heard it's got a good story mode unlike the first game, but the problem is it's a game that's still kind of built around online multiplayer and
0: I beat the story mode in 4 hours.
1: Yeah. It it's not I didn't say it was a robust um story mode, but uh it's got the problem of it's designed to function with like online multiplayer, but when it came out EA pushed Infinite Warfare and basically screwed over Titanfall, which was a no, uh, better game.
0: No, no, they they released they released Battlefield one and then the next week released Titanfall.
1: And then the week after that released Infinite Warfare.
0: EA doesn't have any. Any EA doesn't have any hand in Infinite Warfare.
1: Oh, Activ. Uh, well, that's the well, EA released Battlefield One, and then knowing when Activision was going to release Infinite Warfare, released Titanfall right before it.
0: Yeah, they're fucking idiots.
1: Yeah, so they fucked their own game. Super hard. But so yeah, I mean, I understand. I, I think. Uh, Okay, so going with game metaphors, uh, telltale. Someone basically said that all telltale games, even though they are cho- choose-your own adventure books, it's not a you get radically different results based on how you play. It's it's the same story, but it sort of depends on how you color within the lines. And I think that's probably the best description I have of Marvel at this point, that they have a wide margin to coloring the lines, but they all follow the same format to the end at this point. Uh huh. And while Doctor Strange, I did notice, certainly, all of the problems with its uh, sticking maybe a little too close to formula. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was great. The relationship between him and uh, his nurse friend from the hospital was not just... Tony Stark and Pepper Potts again. uh uh-huh. Nor was it like Thor and Jane Foster. It was not like any... So there was enough different, despite the continued template, that you didn't feel like you were... It was just being manu, re run. Like, even uh, Ubisoft games, the ones that try a little harder within the, within the limits of what the game is, like uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag or Watch Dogs 2... It's sort of what you're doing with the template at this point, and I think the vast the, the vast majority of uh, games that Ubisoft releases don't really do much with the template, and hopefully Marvel does not run out of things to do with its template of characters anytime soon so far based they on what've seen from based on what I've seen from the three the fucking three movies they're releasing this year along with the three Netflix series, I don't think that's going to happen this year,
0: probably not. But yeah, Doctor Strange is really good. Uh, yeah. I like what they're doing with Mordo.
1: Yeah, because it's not uh, it's not as cliche as the old Mordo story.
0: Yeah, like from what I understand, like the original Mordo is just
1: Ah, Stephen Strange, you fuck. Well, it, he's ju- he just wants power. Yeah, like, yeah, he betrays mild. he betray- he, betray- he betrays the Ancient One or allies with Dormammu, but in this he's been taught to believe that the, the wizards represent a certain order to things that shouldn't be broken. And then he finds out the ancient one breaks the rules just as regularly as the bad guys. And he is such a crisis of faith. He just
0: fucking falls apart. Chiotel Asia for, I believe that's Abraham's name. Yeah. Does a fucking great job portraying that.
1: Yeah. Which is why the ancient one was saying, you need him for his staunch beliefs, but he needs you because you're much more fluid in how you approach the world. Which is true. Yeah. The balance between the two.
0: Yeah. Uh, like, visually, this is one of the best Marvel it's movies. It's one of the weirder ones. I fucking love <laughs> like, it. Like... It is. Yeah, like... I'm, I remember looking at that shit, and it, like, making my head feel funny.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean... I didn't necessarily like what they did with Dormammu, but that scene was fucked fucking weird to watch.
0: The scene was real cool. Just Dormammu's face looked like a fucking ripple. Is
1: yeah, it looked too much like a a kaleidoscope version of of the uh, Brian Cranston head from Power Rangers.
0: Yeah, like what's wrong with just a fucking bunch of fire? That's fine.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's probably
0: might. Was it just easier to animate ripples?
1: Maybe maybe they thought the fire thing was too cliche. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, one thing that I uh, wish they had like more of a chance to actually go into was the cloak of levitation. Because oh yeah,
1: no that was that was that was fun. That felt kind of like um, the carpet from Aladdin.
0: Yeah, but but it only felt like that half the time.
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't always consistent with what its personality was. Yeah, like when,
0: like, when they first, uh, when they first show the cloak, it was, you know, kind of following Steven around a bit, and then, as it got out, it had a bit of a personality. Like, I remember that scene where it's like, oh, Axe, I'm gonna go get that, nah, you fucking bitch, go get the fucking weird Iron Maiden shit. And, yeah, that, or, and that whole scene, and then, we, and then the next time we fucking see the cape, it is completely subservient and not doing dick, and then we see it again, okay. and it's like, whoa, I'm gonna wipe tears away from my eyes, like, fucking, like, he, like, fucking pops a collar, I'm awesome, and then he keeps just like, "Nah, fucking stop that man.
1: Yeah, I mean, the guy who's about to kill Strange, and then he strangles and beats him to death.
0: Yeah. Like, that is—the cape need to be consistent. If it was consistently a character, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have not have much of a problem with it. But it kept, the fact that it kept switching back and forth between being a character and being a cape. Yeah. Also, it—this is, is not an actual complaint. This is just my fucking head looking at this and going. N-n-n-n. The fact that the cape, the fact that the cape was at an uneven cut across his shoulders. Yeah. Just looking at that, I, just, I like, I just fucking pull. It looked like it looked like he had it on sideways, and it really bugged me. I just wanted to kind of go in there, and just like straighten it. Yeah.
1: No, I get that.
0: The guy I got playing Wong was great too.
1: Oh yeah, no, I, that's what I was about to say. I wanted more of him. Oh, definitely. Particularly his particularly his nothing made him laugh until something did.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I think my favorite scene was uh, essentially the, essentially like a very quick Harry Potter joke almost, where he where um where, like, uh, Steven just calls him Beyonce, he's like, come on, you gotta know about Beyonce, and then cut to the next scene, where he's listening to Beyonce, and then just fucking Steven's arm is just reaching out of portals, grabbing books. Yep. It's, it's real simple. But it worked. A lot of this movie just works.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Kind of, that's the thing about most of the Marvel movies, they just, they just all just work. It's very efficient. Speaking of things that work, let's talk about something that doesn't work, but kind of does. So I watch Riverdale.
1: Ooh, I was hoping you'd talk about this. I've heard incredibly mixed things from a lot of people. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So for a while there, for a while there, I was actually thinking about not watching it.
1: Okay, that's understandable. I've heard some people really rail against this.
0: Then the reviews started coming out, and there were a lot of them that were great, that were calling the show real fucking good. But I feel like I'm on the black nerd side of this, where this is like a guilty pleasure show for me of just, oh, this is so fucking stupid, but I'm going to keep watching it because fuck it, I guess.
1: That was the, I thought that was the impression I got from everyone who gave it a good review. Like some people who said it was twisty were, st- were still saying like it doesn't make much sense and the characters are all over the place, but it's fun in how crazy it is.
0: I wouldn't even say that. Like it's not that crazy. Like the craziest thing that happened – was a bit with Betty that implies that I think Betty might be insane.
1: Oh, yeah, I think I heard something about like a split personality or something.
0: Yeah, so in one of the episodes, uh, Veronica goes out on a date with Chuck Clayton. The okay. next day, um, Chuck posted an Instagram photo of her with uh, maple syrup photoshopped onto her face which is Riverdale code for, yeah, we fucked.
1: Oddly specific, but okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and so, turns out, this has happened to a bunch of people, including Betty's sister, who is currently in a mental health care facility.
1: Okay.
0: They find the book that was all, that had, like, all their fucking... All the all the football teams' uh, codes in it, and all their fucking conquests or whatever. It confirms that uh, it confirms that Jason Blossom, Cheryl's brother, the one who got murdered, who everybody keeps seeming to forget, got murdered.
1: Yeah, I heard that from a lot of people. That people are that should be acting like, "Oh my God, your significant person got murdered," are just like, "Oh whatever." Like particularly her sister, his sister. At the beginning,
0: that makes some sense because we learn that it. We learn that like before, we actually find his body. It was there was a plot there. Okay, but then he got straight up and She's like, "Oh fuck!" And then she is occasionally real sad and occasionally boss bitch.
1: Okay, yeah, I want to ask your opinion about this. Some critics I've talked to about this said that everyone in this is written and talks like a bitchy gay guy.
0: A little bit, little bit. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of, like, real, um, quote-unquote, fierce comebacks where, every, where, like, half the lines that people say, I could just see it ending with this, like, somebody, like, the person holding their elbow with, like, their fucking, one of their hands, like, raised up and limply held back. Just like, mm, bitch. Oh. And that's, well, about, that's, that's about half the lines. Okay. From, also,
1: isn't Archie fucking his teacher?
0: Yes, he is. He's fucking Miss Grundy.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: But it turns out that's not really Miss Grundy, because Miss Grundy's been dead the
1: entire time. Woo. Okay, I was I wasn't sure I someone said this was teen beat twin peaks. I didn't believe them at first, but that's what it's starting to sound like.
0: And I can see where they're coming from with that, but it's teen beat twin peaks by somebody who didn't really understand Twin Peaks?
1: Okay, well, that's a lot of people. So fair enough.
0: Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pretend that I'm a Twin Peaks expert. I have seen some of the second season, and I've only finished the first season. But the thing that makes me keep going back to it to keep trying to get into it is that beginning, that first yeah, like no, fucking it's... ten minutes that perfectly sets up this town. For those who haven't seen it. It is the fucking start where, um, the, where the guy who is married to the lady who owns the fucking mill, uh, where he finds Laura's Palmer body. Where he finds Laura Palmer's body. And he's like, she's dead, wrapped in plastic. And then from there, you feel this death. You get, the, you get introduced to all these characters fucking over and over again. Just introduction to introduction to introduction. And... You get to see all of their relationships, uh, like, between some of the central characters that all play out incredibly naturally. Okay. In this, Jason dies. Well, dies. And it feels like nothing.
1: Yeah, well, um this is another thing someone said that didn't make much sense to me. So I wasn't sure what they were speaking. Literally Jughead's not really in it, but he seems to bookend it kind of Veronica Mars ish, but he's only in like the beginning and ending.
0: Did you watch the count Jackula video? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I how does she even say like, Oh yeah. Count Jack said that.
1: Yeah. Like I, I watched black nerds review, but the, I'm always kind of weary of his opinions.
0: Yeah, he is a bit. He is a bit kind of on that aggressively happy side of criticism.
1: Yeah, which I'm not. A, I don't. I'm not opposed to. Oh
0: no, like but... Black Andre. He makes some good videos. I enjoy watching his videos. It's just some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, like he is unrealistically excited for Power Rangers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it is, uh, it's set up that, uh, it's set up that all of this is being, uh, like the entire series is being narrated by Jughead, where he is writing a book, like a true crime book on the death and
1: investigation of Jason Blossom. Okay. Does that go anywhere?
0: So far, not really. It's, it's, it's mainly been like, uh, all right, the episode starts and Jughead does his fucking intro, Ah, here's what's happening. Then the show happens, and then it ends with Jughead saying, but this thing that was revealed at the end of the episode, we don't even know, because later, it reveals this. As like an enticement of like, hey, fucking here's this hook, keep coming back, bitches.
1: That's weird.
0: Yeah, I don't get it. Also, Jughead is like a journalist. Like, he and Betty, he he and Betty revive the school newspaper.
1: Yeah, that's the other thing I don't quite. Well, it, that's another thing for the count Jack Levito they mentioned that I don't quite get. That not only is jug-headed journalist, but he doesn't eat hamburgers. Uh no, he like does. He sits in the diner, but oh, he does. Okay, he's,
0: like he sits in the it's, diner and doesn't. He sits in the diner and he does, and he's, and he's not eating a hamburger right then. But then uh, he and Archie make up in one of the later episodes, and it's like hey, you and me, fucking mountains of cheeseburgers, dog. Okay, Luke Perry's in this. Yep, yeah, he's Archie's dad.
1: That's hilarious. (laughs) Also, Archie's character. Considering 20 years ago, Luke Perry probably would have been playing the Archie role.
0: Yeah. So weird thing. Uh, Archie's character arc seems to be about him becoming a musician, which, yeah, like that is an Archie thing. But it's not. This is kind of his character arc. It's like him getting, it's like him getting back together with Jughead, and then he's a fucking musician. Like, like a big character scene for him was when he fucking wrote a song for Josie and the Pussycats.
1: Oh, right. I forgot Josie and the Pussycats and Sabrina the Teenage Witch are part of this universe.
0: Uh, yeah. Sabrina hasn't shown up in the show yet. I'm assuming they're going to be saving her for the Halloween special.
1: Yeah, she probably will. Considering there was that weird bit in the current Archie comics where she was she dating Jughead, or
0: uh, she was uh, in the Jughead comic. I haven't read that far into Jughead comic yet. Okay. She has yet to appear. In, she has yet to appear in Archie proper. Okay. So anyway, back to what I was talking about, fucking a year ago. Yep. Yeah, sorry. So. Yeah, they find out a bunch of girls had uh, had like been fucked over by the football team. They find his, they find the fucking journal, and then Betty's like, "Oh yeah, so we need to fucking publish this." And Veronica's like, "Fuck no, dude, this is the fucking stu- this is the fucking head of the varsity football team, and his dad is the coach. We can't just do that. We need some fucking more shit." So they, so Betty and Veronica uh, bring. Chuck over to one of the girls he fucked over's house, where she has a hot tub, because you know hot tub. And Veronica is Veronica. Uh, Betty comes out uh, dressed like she has like a black short hair wig on and like weird like nineteen twenty style lingerie.
1: Is this the evil personality?
0: We're getting to that. <laughs> And so, he, and so she is, so she makes them a drink, which is some kind of bourbon with a muscle relaxant, and then that plus hot tub equals truth serum, apparently. Okay. Uh, so, they give, so they give it to Chuck, uh, handcuff him, and when he wakes up, they film, uh, Betty starts, like, fucking going full dominatrix on him. Like, digging the heel of her high heel into his fucking head. While pushing him underwater. And then Veronica records him admitting that he didn't fuck anybody, that he didn't have sex with any people he said he does. It is all just for fucking shaming him. Then Betty starts calling herself Polly, starts calling him Jason, and pulls out a bottle of maple syrup. Uh, The next day, Veronica asks her, rightfully so, yo dude, what the fuck? To which she responds, I don't know what you're talking about. That never happened.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Newspapers. So is she aware of this other personality or is she lying or? I don't know.
0: I can't get a read on her.
1: Because that line de- that line delivery you had made me think she was like, oh, you silly. <laughs> that would never happen. That sounds like a lie. But it, I mean, we've both done such bad line deliveries. Oh, so yeah.
0: We aren't actors. Yeah. There's a, so, re- there's a reason we aren't in Archie. Well. Multiple reasons. We're not we're also, enough. <laughs> yeah. If I showed up an Archie, I'd be one of the fuckers who'd be arrested for raping somebody. Yeah, probably. Oh, also, fucking Dilton Doily is a, is a doomsday prepper. Oh, goody. And he's not friends with Moose. Which, that, that's, that's, that's a shame, because one, one of the plot lines that is introduced is that Moose is kind of gay. Okay. And so they introduced that by having him go up to Kevin Keller, uh, one of the first openly gay characters in Archie, uh, who in this one is about half of Jack from Will and Grace, which is still just a bit too much.
1: Which, and that's weird you say that, considering Will and Grace is coming back.
0: Yeah. So Yeah, he's about half, so yeah, Kevin Keller's about half of Jack, and he and Moose are the ones who find uh, Jason's dead body uh, when they went out to the lake to go skinny dipping and then maybe fuck. Now, my problem isn't that Moose is gay. My problem is that Moose is gay with Kevin and not Dilton. Okay. The second I heard, the second I saw that, like Kevin, the second I saw that uh, Moose was gay, I was like, "Oh, so he's talking about Dilton." That like adds this new fucking layer to their relationship because the relationship between Dilton and Kevin, means Dilton and uh, Moose. From what I understand, uh, all I know is from the new Archie stuff. I have not read classic Archie, but in like new Archie stuff, their relationship was Dilton helps Moose with his homework so that Moose keep playing football, and Moose beats the shit out of anybody who makes fun of him mostly reggie Okay. And so the two of them have like a the two of them have like a symbiotic relationship that actually is like a real friendship. So, it would make sense to me if they fucking evolve that into the two of them be fucking Having him go for Kevin is the easy move. Because oh, Kevin's gay. Also, apparently, Moose got a big dick, so fuck it, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, also, Reggie is now a dude bro. Okay. When we first see him, uh, because dude bro is dude bro is modern day shorthand for asshole. Like we like we first see Reggie, he is talking to Archie. He has on a polo shirt with a pop collar and a backwards baseball cap. And he is listing off more methods for lifting things than I ever knew there were. Because another plot point is that Archie got hot, apparently. That is, and also, that is a literal line.
1: Yeah, I heard that. And I was like, you really have to point that out.
0: Yeah. Oh, another thing. Um, I, think Cheryl, I think Cheryl Blossom wanted to fuck her brother.
1: Well, of course. It wouldn't be a freaky, weird teen bop series without some form of incest. But no, I.
0: This show has been doing everything within its power to to show that these two were basically fucking. Like, they look at each other like they're in a Folgers commercial. And there's been no indication in. Like, the way anybody else talks about them that there was any real hint that they were fucking. It's just in everything else. Like, fucking them. The opening thing is, like, so the Blossom Twins are going out for, you know, a mo- for, for a morning boat ride, you know, like you do. And they drive fucking up to the lake in, like, a 1960s convertible, wearing all white, holding each other's hands. Then go out for a rowboat ride on the lake. While fucking staring longingly into each other's eyes, and it is. Oh, God, it's creepy.
1: Yeah, sounds like it.
0: So we'll see where that goes.
1: <sighs> Alright, so are you is this your new um I don't think you want to watch It <laughs>
0: This is my new Gotham. Because okay. Like, like Gotham, it is really dumb. It doesn't seem to have a real understanding of the source material it's it's based off of. However, it does enough things interesting or, like, like, it does enough things good or at least interesting that I want to keep watching. And the bad stuff is hilarious to me. Like, real, dumb, funny shit.
1: Well, just from what you've said, it sounds hilarious, so I've, I can see why that would be entertaining to you.
0: So stay tuned for the fucking updates of, Arch- of Riverdale.
2: <laughs>
0: and we'll see where this goes. Join me on this journey, please. I can't be alone in this.
1: I hope you're not talking to me.
0: I'm talking to them. The folks at home.
1: Okay please watch.
0: I know you won't comment, but if you do, let me know i nobody else watches the show well, nobody else watches the shows I watch like this, and I have nobody to talk to about them. I have to have people to talk at them
1: I feel lonely
0: <laughs> I really do, I really do because I'm also the only one watching Emerald City still or ever because
1: because you're an idiot. Because...
0: That aside, (laughs) it'd be nice not to be alone in this.
1: Maybe, but...
0: So anyway, (sighs) to catch you up... (sighs) So...
1: The wizard is just a dude?
0: The wizard's a dude, just straight up. No artifice about it at all. He's not a head in a room with a man behind the curtain. He's just a man standing out there. The artifice is that he is wearing a wig. And he also really wanted to fuck Dorothy's mom. Because Dorothy's mom came to Oz from a nuclear facility that was experimenting with tornadoes. I think. I also watched the Tin Man, who, when this is a 16-year-old boy, get half-jerked off in a forest.
1: Ah, so it's not only a Pinocchio ripoff, but an Italian porn Pinocchio ripoff.
0: Yes, so... Have I talked to you about Emerald City?
1: You've mentioned it. You haven't done a full-on review of it.
0: So I think... So I thought about this with, I think, Caveman. But there was a storyline in there that is... Elements from the original books, like Princess Ozma being kidnapped by a bunch of witches and turned into a dude named Tip. It's apparently a thing from the books or whatever. But that storyline was in here and I could not see a purpose for it. Like, outside of the later reveal of who she is. And in, okay. the, in that storyline, um, a kid named Jack uh, rescues Tip from his mom with the help of Dorothy and the Scarecrow, whose name is Lucas, who is a guy. Not even an actual Scarecrow, just a guy who was fucking... Tied up on a scarecrow post,
1: you know keeping with that whole, it's just a dude thing,
0: yeah, uh, so he is running away with with this guy friend of his, then she then he turns into a she because why not and him, being a boy, wants to fuck his friend immediately, so uh. she pushes him off a third story balcony, killing him. And I was like, oh, that went fucking nowhere. Turns out that's the origin story for the Tin Man.
1: Charming? It's really not. I have no other word for it. Because I don't know what, just other than stupid.
0: Yeah, so uh, scientists with uh, funding from a princess and from another kingdom. Because there are other kingdoms in Oz. Sure. Uh, she, the scientist, replaces his broken parts with robot parts. So now he's a cyborg. Okay. The princess then treats him like a slave, intermittently being kind of human towards him. Because, fuck, I don't know. She then kicks him. Then one time when they're leaving, she kicks him out of the fucking carriage. And he lands in water, and his joints get rusty. And you know what happens when the tin man's joints get rusty? He, st- he gets stuck in a forest that could potentially lead to long-term psychological damage. The forest just screams or fucking whatever. So, lady princess comes back with the thing of oil or fucking sap or whatever the fuck she uses, kind of salve. She begins loosening up his joints. then she starts jerking him off. I actually want to look this up. Just me for a second. Birdie has bounced for a minute. And i and now desperately trying to fill up time. So it's not just dead air. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, good. So, uh, yes, yeah, so this this actor... He is 25, but he looks much younger. And so then we get to watch him almost orgasm while Lady in the Mask is looking at him like, yeah. Yeah. And then stops. Just leaving him with presumably bluer balls than he had before. Then fucks him. I don't know. Why not? I Fuck me. God damn it. also Glinda, you know, the good witch. Uh, she's building an army of witches to overthrow the fucking wizard and take control of the kingdom or some bullshit. Uh, the wicked witch is incredibly sympathetic and is a drug addict and really sad and kind of pathetic. And that fucking... Why am I still watching this? I don't know why I'm still watching this. Fucking everybody is, everybody who's acting either doesn't give a fuck or is just like, there are some actors on there who are actually trying. It's just they're given such horse shit to work with. Vincent D'Onofrio and Dorothy may as well be on fucking Ambien because they seem just out of it. Like, I cannot even believe this fucking guy is the same guy who played the kingpin. Because it is a joke when he is on screen. Just, Jesus Christ, Dorothy is nothing. She is almost a fucking, she's almost a mannequin who is just reading stuff from off a fucking piece of paper. It is, oh my God. Like, the guy playing Lucas, he's, he does as much as he can, but he has nothing. Glinda is there Uh, the wicked witch of the west or fucking whatever she is fine actually she's one of the better ones in this show it's just again he's given nothing it's just hey act high and pathetic oh god what's even more disgusting is that I'm going to come back to this show because I have nothing else to watch Oh, God. I'm going to wait until he gets back to talk about some other stuff, but I just... Into the Shield, uh, I've been keeping up on that. Uh, Cora was real right. That show is really good. I have been really liking the direction they're going with the storyline. I... Yeah, it's it's just a lot of fun. It is kind of cool with their whole LMD shit going on. Uh, they have yet to go super far down the. Uh, they've yet to go super far down like the Battlestar Galactica Cylon checklist. They've yet to have like, oh, you're a Cylon. Oh, you're an LMD. Oh, no, you're an LMD. They've done like once or twice with like red, like red herring kind of stuff. But that gets resolved real quick. Uh, also, weird thing, they introduced, I think, Nitro into this. Uh, for those who don't know, Nitro is a character from the comics. Uh, he is the reason the first Civil War happened, where he is a, he's a mutant who has the ability to uh, explode. And then, and then when he explodes, he turns into a gaseous form and then reforms himself as like a full thing. And kind of the main head of the Watchdogs, the main face of the Watchdogs, turns into him. Yeah, just straight up. But yeah, it's been go- it's actually been going pretty fine. I have been liking the direction of going with it. Uh, Jason O'Mara as uh as fucking that guy, Jeffrey Mace. I believe is his name. He's real good. I am really liking him. I am kind of hit or miss with him on with him as Batman, but he is doing fucking great work as Je- as Mace.
1: It's kind. Cut- with him, it's a little bit more dependent on how the writing is. Yeah. the um, he, he, Conroy can take a terrible Batman script and still be a good Batman, but yeah, with Omar, it really kind of depends a little bit more on the writing. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. is going strong. I'm really liking it.
1: Okay. I guess I'll get caught up at some point.
0: So then, the stuff that I was waiting for you to get back to talk about... So Legends of Tomorrow was still going. Still going strong. Okay. And they had one of the weirdest fucking episodes of their show I think I've ever seen. And this is a show, you know, mind you, about time-traveling superheroes. Yeah. So there was an episode devoted entirely to George Lucas.
1: That is weird.
0: The moment I knew it was going to be weird, when they did a hard cut from a fairly back scene with the villains... To Anti-Up by M.O.P., which is a really weird song. It is a piece of music that I never thought I would see in a show, let alone a CW show. Because it is a hardcore gangster rap song about robbing people at gunpoint.
1: Sounds pretty weird.
0: Yeah, they did a, re- that they did a remix of with Busta Rhymes and with Buster Rhymes and Remy Ma, which is actually a real good song. It's, it's just very bizarre to have that in a show, especially a CW show. Yeah, so the idea of it was that Rip Hunter, uh, he blasted himself back to the 1960s or something and overwrote his memory with an entirely new personality of a film student working on making a sci-fi film about himself that he doesn't know is about himself with his production assistant, George Lucas. He is then kidnapped by the Legion of Doom, which traumatizes George to a point where he stops making films, which then makes uh, two of our main characters, Steel and the Atom, lose their powers because they are both inspired into their careers by George Lucas movies. And what the fuck are you doing? Okay, then. Oh, his printer started. Okay, so it, it, yeah, this fucking episode is so goddamn weird. It is fucking giving. It is one of the it's one of the few instances of like modern day giving real praise to George Lucas. And it is all about a good portion of the episode is about these two characters getting progressively dumber and trying to convince George Lucas to make Star Wars and Indiana Jones so that they will get their powers back in order to save them from the Legion of Doom. Who, when Malcolm Merlin gets Wilhelmed, like, it's very, it's very low in the mix, but you can just hear it in there when he gets fucking blasted and thrown into a fucking dumpster or whatever. It's a Wilhelm scream.
1: Well, you know, don't change the classics. Also, they mention Howard the Duck. Which... I guess with George Lucas, you kind of
0: have to. It is the weirdest fucking thing. Because my head just started going off in this fucking other direction. Does Marvel exist in DC?
1: Um. I don't know. Also, like, how
0: how did, did... Is the Howard the Duck movie so removed from the comic that they're just allowed to say it in a DC property? Because there's still a Howard the Duck comic book going on.
1: I don't know how that breaks down. Like, maybe. I don't remember if Howard the Duck was listed as a Marvel comics movie. Maybe the studio. Howard
0: the Duck showed up at the end of the Guardians
1: of the Galaxy! No, I know, but, like, it wasn't his movie. It was a cameo in someone else's movie, so I don't know if.
0: But, like, they still own the character, else. they still own the name. Like, Howard the Duck is a Marvel trademark.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just because George Lucas made the movie, they made the argument that because he made the movie, they can mention it. I don't know. It's fucking or maybe weird. Marvel just didn't care that much.
0: Yeah, the show was still good. Uh, they introduced the Black Racer.
1: You know, the, oh the, uh, the the
0: the Speedster death.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember.
0: Yeah, they introduced him. Uh, they rewrote Rip Hunter's brain to make him a member of the Legion of Doom?
1: To what purpose?
0: Uh, So, the goal of the Legion of Doom is to get the Spear of Destiny in order to rewrite reality. Okay. Because that's what the Spear of Destiny can do. And Rip is one of the people who was involved in hiding the Spear. All right. So what? So they rewrote his brain. uh, Like they had, like they had, like a basically like a laser disc, like like a or like a UMD or something of his of his memories. And so they went in there and kind of subtly rejiggered things so that he still had all his memories and stuff and still had like his personality. It's just he was evil. And so now it is the now it is the legends against the legion with the help of Rip Hunter.
1: I have a question. Is turning the good guy mind controlling the good guys to be evil more common in DC than Marvel? It kind of seems like it is.
0: Uh, it is a little bit. Like It means more in Marvel? So they don't do it as much? Like Bucky? That's kind of his entire character.
1: Yeah, but like I'm trying to think of just how many times the entire justice league has been controlled by someone
0: like Maxwell Lord is essentially the purple man, but he, but he like works like a much bigger scale than the purple man does.
1: Yeah. And then there was young justice and sorrow yep. and Despero.
0: Yeah. Anyway, it, yeah, it's just tomorrow is a lot of fun. I fucking love this show. It's the okay. best DC show currently on the air. I will say okay. that with no hesitation. Anyway, moving on. Power Rangers. There's new Power Rangers out.
1: Right. Ninja Steel.
0: Yep. It's eh.
1: Yeah, it didn't really do much to catch my attention from what I saw of it. But. Yeah, it's. This feels
0: like a. This feels like a pre Dino Charge Power Rangers series, like like in that like the. It is like it's, the super mega
1: force period.
0: Yeah, it, it it does. It feels like a. It feels like something from that era, like the uh, Samurai and the Megaforce thing. But of those shows, it is the better one of them. But it is still very. But it still feels attached to those. Okay. So yeah, plot of it is fucking magic ninja star from space falls and lands in the backyard of the world's whitest ninja. Yeah. And the magician? Nope. that The magician is introduced later. Oh, okay. So yeah, the world's whitest magician is the dad of the Red Ranger who becomes the Red Ranger for a hot second before smashing the fucking magic thing into six individual ninja stars. That then go back into the bigger space ninja star that is taken by the villain along with the red ranger, who then lives okay. in, who then lives in space for ten years as a slave, but gets a robot servant and a best friend who is a shapeshifter who is played by the guy who does Boom in SPD. Oh, cool! Yes, he's back. Uh, yeah, then they escape, uh, and we. The kind of biggest change or the newest idea for this show, for this series of the Power Rangers, is that the villains being sent down and, like, them being turned giant and stuff, that's all decided by a TV show audience.
1: Right. I saw that. I wasn't – so there's, like, a reality show element to the villains? Yeah.
0: So the so the big bad guy is the champion and, basically, I think the producer of Galaxy Warriors, the most popular show in the gal- in the universe, where – all the where all the monsters the rangers fight are contestants on the show. They get sent down to Earth in order to defeat the rangers to get the ninja stars in order to get a chance at being the next champion of Galaxy Warriors. And when they are gigantified, as it is called, it is decided by audience. It's decided by audience participation. Like should we give should we gigantify him and give him another chance? And the audience goes yay or boo or nothing. And then that decides whether or not they gigantify him, at which point, if they say no, they send out a different monster and gigantify him.
1: That's an odd wrinkle. Yes, it is. So... that That's
0: a thing. It, I'm not really sure how I feel about it. Like, uh, having... I, like, let's, let's with, I just start with like the biggest problems with it. Uh, this show does not do a very good job of masking the cuts between the original American footage and the Japanese footage.
1: Yeah, I mean that's always been a problem with some seasons of Power Rangers, but certain ones are better than others.
0: Like Dino Charge, I think they did a really great job with it. Like uh, when they like in that first fight, I had a bit of a hard time distinguishing between original footage and uh, Japanese footage. But yeah, in, sure. but in, but in this one, it's like. It's like, hey, so we're going to fight this monster outside of our school, and then, whoops, we're in the warehouse district. What?
1: Yeah, I mean, that always kind of annoyed me when they don't at least try to have settings that match with the setting in the Sentai. At least with uh, the original Mighty Morphin.
0: They teleported away. Yeah. (laughs) Or they were always in a field.
1: Yeah or like 90% they found some place they found some place that looked enough like it that they could get away with it like the fight between Tommy and Jason at the end of Green with Evil. Yeah, like 70% se- like it.
0: Yeah, 70% of that show was in a field. Yeah. And I'm also not that big a fan of the zords. Like I get where people come from. Sure. I get where people come from with the zords because uh each individual zord represents some aspect of their personality like uh the red ranger has um essentially a big version of the red bot that he, of the red bot buddy he has uh the guy obsessed with magic and a magician has a dragon uh the girl who has a pet dog has a wolf that has like a fucking voltron blade in its mouth the guy obsessed with his truck has a truck and the girl who has a hoverboard has a train which is close enough it's just they all feel so disjointed from themselves
1: yeah like, well that's the thing i was going to say from what you said it sounded like there's no Even if it maybe fits with the ranger, there's no centralizing theme to the zords.
0: Yeah, it's like, all right, so we have a big guy, a dragon, a train, a dog, and a truck. Like, they all feel like they're from different teams. Yeah. And that all just fucking falls apart. Uh, The acting in this is...
1: Better or worse than typical Power Rangers.
0: On the lower end of the spectrum.
1: So like if stuff like uh well what do you consider dead middle, I'm curious, because like I consider stuff like RPM and in space and time force on the upper end and stuff like Operation Overdrive or Mega Force on the low end.
0: It is it is a few rungs above Mega Force. Okay. Like, like 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 yeah i I'm, I'm with you there with like um with that with those two being on like the back end it is a, it uh, this is a few rung above rungs above those but it is still it's still like below original power rangers oh
1: that's not good
0: <laughs> and like i have i have power Rangers, i have like the like the original power rangers the acting in that i thought was like actually the acting in that was fine like even like even going back and watching it yeah it's cheesy but it's still fine. They're able to fucking give an emotion.
1: Billy got better later. I think he had a little bit too much of the Oh my god in first season. Yeah, a little
0: bit. But like the rest of the cast was able to kind of like carry that because they were all able to like actually express an emotion. Yeah. In this, there's a point where the where the Red Ranger is like running around desperately calling out his brother's name. And I'm actually gonna look at his brother's name so I can try to Get get this across properly.
1: Well, while you're doing that, um, is Saban still doing the thing where they apparently can't have any new opening other than just a remix of GoGo Power Rangers? This is technically a new opening,
0: but it does have GoGo Power okay. Rangers in there. It is just incredibly, terribly done. Like it does. It like it start, like they have like a they have a. Like, you know, the weird Japanese kind of guitar thing sounding at it, and it is, and then it a goes shamisen? into like, yeah, the shamisen, it goes into like a hard rock stuff, and then, it's, it actually sounds kind of like a guy, it, actually, it sounds kind of like a Japanese guy doing an English accent, and then, and it's like, It is, like, really kind of rough, except for when he screams Ninja Steel. And it's like, Go-Go Power Rangers! Like, really overpronouncing the Go-Go Power Rangers part of it.
1: Ah. That's unfortunate.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so... Okay, so yeah, uh, his brother's name is Aiden. He's, like, running around going, Aiden! 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 It is just really flat and, like, no emotion behind it. No real power desperation or anything. Uh, The rest of the actors they are better, but they're still Aiden, pretty flat. stop,
1: don't. Come back.
0: Yes, yeah, like, press X to Aiden?
1: Video game joke. Uh, yeah, I'm do rest- a fight about video games today.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, uh, Yoshi Siddhartha's brother, Peter, he is one of the weaker actors, I think. He doesn't do a great job, but he is like, I, him, him doing his, like, magician stick. It is really out of place, but I think it is ultimately fine. It's when he is trying to do other kinds of acting that I think he falls a bit flat.
1: Yeah, I can see that. It's It sounds like they would need to add some more theatricality to the character. Than, yeah. Like, he would have to be theatrical all the time, not just when he's doing his shtick.
0: Yeah. Also, are uh, they... Two of the rangers, uh, the yellow and the white ranger uh, I'm pretty sure they actually jacked our idea In that they are a couple Who were a couple before They joined the rangers Which is well, an that idea more... that we came up with For our fucking bullshit power yeah. rangers train thing
1: Well that was caveman's idea Not mine, but yeah
0: You were there and I, and I Helped out with developing the idea So I consider it a group effort Sure <sighs> Just kind of disappointed, actually, with this series. Like, Dino Charge was kind of a fucking huge bang of a series after fucking Samurai and Megaforce. Like, they had it, they had that shit fucking down to almost a science in that first season. I haven't finished off. Uh, I haven't finished uh, the Supercharge with it, Dino Supercharge, because it is not on a Netflix, and other places to find it are a bit hard to find it on. So I've, I've heard that I've heard that like in the back end of super Dino Supercharge, they kind of fall the, everything kind of falls apart a bit, but yeah, fucking dino charge was on it with that shit. They did such a good job with those characters, having them, like having them feel like real characters, having them like acted out well, having like dynamics and real arcs and shit happening with all those characters. And then to have this be the fucking thing that follows it up is real disappointing. I'm probably not, I'm not even gonna fucking finish this season. Like, I might come back to it later after all said and done, but I can't really see myself watching this week to week.
1: Yeah, well, I'm having, I'm, I'm having a harder time convincing myself to watch episode-to-episode seasons of Power Rangers these days. Because, like, I don't want to say Saban's gotten into a holding pattern, but I almost kind of wish for the days of Disney when they would do some weird outlandish things with their series. Like, not knocking Saban. They did some great stuff in the 90s and early 2000s. Some of my favorite series are from that period. Yeah, the
0: fucking Big Bad of dog. (sighs)
1: You know, of the Power Rangers imitators, that might be my least favorite. I'm not sure.
0: It's pretty bad.
1: Like, it's not it's not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Next Mutation bad, but it's pretty bad. Close. Like VR Troopers was just bland and took itself too seriously. This goes too far in the opposite direction of just kiddie slapstick shtick. But yeah, um, I might watch an episode two of Ninja Steel. I'm still trying to finish up Dino Charge. It's good, but it's... Oh god, there's too many Zords.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I was just saying while you were gone, like, like Dino Charge, like the original Dino Charge before they got the Super in it, that was a fucking real, solid Power Rangers thing. Like, just fucking beginning to end. I thought that was one of the, one of the better seasons it had in years. And from what I've heard about Dino Supercharge. It kind of falls yeah, apart.
1: Well, well it get the shit with heckle, yeah, heckle is weird, and it ends with using the Dino Gems to travel back in time to the creation of a Dark Inner Gem to prevent the creation of the Inner Gems to prevent the creation of the villain. Ugh, time travel. So, so yeah. Because of all the shows that should handle time travel, it's fuck. I think actually, Time Force handled time travel better than Super Dino Charge.
0: SBD did too. They fucking they fucking time travel twice.
1: Yeah, I I get I guess um I don't know who wrote a lot of the shows between like it during the Disney years, but they might want to get some of those people back because I don't know, it feels like the writing in the neo Saban era has not been on point.
0: Yeah. So anyway. Uh, moving on to the final thing, Voltron: Legendary Defender Season Two.
1: Okay, I'm halfway through this, so I know some of what's happening. Okay, I did. I was trying to slow down because I don't know when the next season's coming, if it's ever coming.
0: It's coming. Come on, dude. They. I. Don't know. I, I. We. Ha- it hasn't been confirmed, but it's fucking coming, dude. Come on.
1: Yeah. But um, yeah, so it, this, I this, guess is I'll ask, this is This is I'm gonna I'm gonna try first half of season.
0: Okay, I'm gonna just.
1: Well, the, well, can I say my favorite part from the episodes I've watched so far? Go right ahead. Um, the scene where um, Pidge has a Pinkie Pie moment and makes a tea party of loneliness.
0: Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh,
1: Pidge. <sighs> to, to quote. Raw and th- to quote Cora, thanks, thank you, Bex Taylor klaus
0: Yeah, she's real good. Yep, it's real fucking good, and she's gotten better at techno babble.
1: Yep, as did Mass Effect, which, again, no matter how many t- how much I hear the soundtrack this, it, just sounds like Mass Effect or Halo.
0: But yeah, so this does a decent job. It expands on. The universe uh it turns out there is like a whole sect of Galra who are like really against Zarkon and have actually like started a resistance movement against them.
1: Which I appreciate.
0: We learned some things about the history of Keith? Yep. Uh
1: I'm not We sure. learned that all of the lions have cool new powers that they, they haven't unlocked yet. Yeah, they all
0: have like ultra modes.
1: Yep. Um,
0: there are there are literal tech wizards.
1: Yeah, so I as all I know about Keith having, so for some reason, the uh, blade of Marmora dagger he has suggests that maybe someone from his family is Galra.
0: Yeah, his mom, <laughs> I think.
1: Okay, I, I kind of figure that out from the way they were laying it on so thick. But uh, yeah, like, have,
0: have you seen the episode where he goes through the trials and ends up like in some weird farmhouse of his own in his head?
1: No, I think that's the next one. That's literally the next one after the one I stopped at. Okay, also, so... Uh, also speak, uh, but also, speaking of Mass Effect, I'm starting to see where they're ripping off some of the aliens from the Mass Effect franchise. Okay, yeah. Like, the, like that race of slug people with, like, the hazmat suits. Those are basically whatever those think the... Yeah, they, are, they
0: kind of are. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh. Yeah, uh, just The things that I liked about the first season have been carried over into this one. Uh, I like all the character stuff, I like the writing of it, the animation is fucking spectacular.
1: Yeah. You you're not bitching about CG.
0: It still bugs me, but not to the level that it does in anime.
1: This almost is anime.
0: I know, but still, it is <laughs> I The rest of it is the rest of it is good enough that the that the C G doesn't bug me.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Studio Mir. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And I do agree with you. The ending of season one is an odd decision.
0: <laughs> yeah, this this has a better ending. It's just I wish that it was still like just even five episodes longer.
1: Yeah, well, for what I, I don't know if this continues in season two or not, but it has this weird tendency of ending on a rising action. So this you, one does not. You, okay. Because the Season 1 ending, I was glad I held off until Season 2 came out, because that would have given me blue balls if I had stopped on the episode ending of Season 1.
0: Yeah, this ends with a... This feels like it should have been the ending of Season 1. Okay. Like, they get... I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it, but they... They resolve a, they resolve a season-long storyline. They get they they get a big victory and then there is a good cliffhanger hook for season then there's a good hook for season 2 I mean season 3
1: Yeah. which again I'm glad this is on Netflix because if Nickelodeon was making this they would fuck them over
0: also weirdest fucking episode the one where they go to the space mall
1: oh yeah that was weird what the fuck was, was that
0: episode that was just I, out of goddamn nowhere I don't know. Just, hey, we're in the middle of this fucking storyline. We got to go get this shit in order to, like, not have the universe get destroyed. Let's fuck around the mall. Oh, Pidge wants to get a fucking Ness.
1: Where's your RC connectors? Oh, man. Yeah, no, like, the comedy in this series is funny, but often, uh, and I've had this problem with season one, too. It feels like the series needs to stop to be funny. Yeah like the only character that's allowed to be funny in a serious situation once the time is Lance or hunk. hunk. Yeah. Everyone else is either just serious or is telling them they're stupid for being. Actually, no, I, I take it back Um the episode on the planet with the plant machines. That was some funny Pidge shit.
0: Yeah. Pidge, Pidge is getting her moments. Uh, like, like just seeing her go fucking full anime fangirl about just tech, just like seeing the look in her eyes. Just to explain some bullshit about like chrono- like chrono like chronic reflection or whatever fucking bullshit I don't even know. Lasers and shit, just like, oh fancy.
1: I also wasn't sure how I felt about that bit in the first episode of season one where uh Koran just kept getting younger. <laughs>
0: You can't do much with Karan. He is kind of only a comedy character. Yeah. So having so having him tried so having him in like the one of the more serious like what, having him be having him be like one of the only characters in one of the more serious danger scenes. They needed to do something, and I guess they decided on time loop. Also, what was up with the fucking mice?
1: I don't know. There's, I don't, I still don't know what those mice are. Although I will say, I like Allura more in season two than season one, mainly because they give her more to do. They make her super racist. Yeah, which I mean, given the way she was raised and what she knows about the Galra, I can understand that. And if they resolve that over the course of a season or over story arc, kind of like they did between. Um, Uh, Moreland and Rex. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah. I know who Rex is.
1: Okay, I was just making sure you didn't respond. (laughs) Shepard. I have an army. We have a Krogan.
0: I was so glad when I beat Mass Effect 1 and I had done enough good things in order to not have to fight Rex.
1: Well, I mean, I didn't Yeah, well, I mean, I was glad that my Paragon option was high enough that I didn't have to kill Rex.
0: Oh yeah, that was the thing. I I didn't even know that was an option. I didn't even fucking know. Like when I when I played Mass Effect One the first time, I was like, oh, what's this fucking blue option? I was well, fucking choose that shit. And then I ended up actually getting enough fucking Paragon in order to not even get the option to kill Rex.
1: Yeah, it's like oh, sick! I didn't fight him. Fuck, awesome. To be fair, I have to I have to I would have to work to be enough of a douchebag in Mass Effect to not be high enough paragon to kill rex particularly in the late that seems kind of a problem with the scene but this is not a video game podcast yeah so um i get allura being racist to a race that betrayed her father and enslaved the known universe
0: yeah it it just it also is that
1: that's Cree summer as the witch right yes okay yeah i thought i recognized the the
0: thing with that is that it just with with the reveal of keith Like like, like Alora had didn't they didn't really have enough interactions for this to be a thing in the first season, but Allura never really gave off the oh fuck every Galra ever. It seemed to be very much well, focused yeah, on Zarkon, this... and then getting into this and with the yeah, on Allura I... and she's like, oh, I'll never fucking like that fucking piece of shit Galra asshole.
1: I see. I I get, but that's playing into my point that. It felt like she had no real purpose other than flying the ship in season one. Uh-huh. And while that episode with her father's AI going haywire and the machine was heartbreaking, they didn't really give her much character outside of that. And I guess that's another problem with season one. It started a lot of stuff but didn't necessarily develop it completely.
0: because they only had half a season.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe this but is the other the, half of season one, and next one will be a full length of episodes.
0: But my th- so I'm not even like when I when I brought up like the super Race thing, it wasn't I wasn't like saying it as like oh it's a weird part of a character. Why did they bring this up? I I get why they're doing it. I get where they're coming from. It's just once they introduce the Keith aspect of it. I felt the only reason they brought it up is so they could have a fucking storyline where Keith keeps this thing from the group because, oh, what if everybody hates me now because I'm Pergara? It's a fucking dumb, worn-out trope that I really hate.
1: Yeah, no, I understand that. (sighs) But, yeah. I mean, I I think that's the only problem I really have with the uh, writing in this series is that, well, it's doing a lot of great space opera shit and you like, I particularly like um, Shiro in season two and Lance is getting better. He, his his comedic timing with Keith is improving.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, now that I've watched a bunch of Adventure Time, I hear Finn a lot more in his voice. <laughs> like when I watched that first season, I hadn't really watched any Adventure Time. So I was like, oh shit, that's, oh, shit, that's Finn? Weird. And now I can't not hear it.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I mean I it's gonna be funny if I ever watch Justice League War again and just hearing Billy Batson just go, And Steven
0: <laughs> Yeah, just the Justice League are flying just Justice League are like flying out towards some fucking thing and pe and Cat Marvels in the back, and then he just starts running ahead of them. And then Yeah. Which one of the League members then relate to the Gems? Like, I, I'm pretty sure Batman is Garnet.
1: Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman's Amethyst. Particularly that version of her. Yeah. I think Flash is probably Pearl. Which is weird to say.
0: But- <laughs> <laughs> Superman's the statue that their house is built into.
1: Yeah, um green, green Lantern is uh Jasper.
0: That is offensive to Jasper, man. Jasper is actually interesting.
1: <laughs> green Lantern is uh, Ronaldo. <laughs> no, he's Kevin.
0: <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Yeah, Guy Gardner is Jasper. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> that's what we watching. Then on to news. So, uh, you had news,
1: right? Um, uh, Netflix is launching an R-rated Castlevania animated TV series. Yes, they are
0: from Warren Ellis and uh, the and uh, the guy who did that Power Slash Rangers thing.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. He produced Dread. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, we're going for that again. We're going for that, I guess. Uh, so, Kate McKinnon, who people may remember from the very well-received Ghostbusters remake...
1: But mostly SNL.
0: <laughs> yeah, has been cast as the voice of Miss Frizzle in the Netflix revival of the Magic School Bus.
1: Yeah, and the moment I uh, I heard that, I was like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> it was kind of like when uh, they cast um, John Burnthall as The Punisher. I was like, "Well, duh." <laughs>
0: yeah. So the series. So the series. Um, this is information that I didn't know, so I just convey it to you, the people. Uh, So the series is apparently being titled The Magic School Bus Rides Again. Which is weird. And it is going to be a 26-episode season made made entirely out of CG, so fuck me, I guess.
1: Uh, Of course it is. Oh,
0: well. And The Magic School Bus is just one of the many Scholastic book titles that have been optioned by Netflix, including Clear for the Big Red Dog and Goosebumps.
1: Well, considering they're making a sequel to the Ghost Goosebumps movie, that shouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah. yeah that's coming out at some point. I'll probably watch a couple episodes of that at least.
1: Yeah. I, mean, I was a fan of Magic School Bus growing up. Oh, definitely. I recently had a drinking party where we drank whenever one of the kids did their trophy I'm that kid thing. Got pretty drunk pretty fast.
0: Yeah. So then, moving on to our next week's news, which this is more potential speculation. Okay. So, Brian Cranston uh, recently signed a book for a fan of his uh, named Andrew Gray, who posted a picture of it on some social media site. Uh, The 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 signature reads, uh, to Andrew, happy birthday, to a Power Ranger from a Power Ranger. And so some people started speculating that maybe Zordon was a Power Ranger in the new movie.
1: Yeah, well I mean they're making the argument that Rita was the Green Ranger in for a previous generation, so that wouldn't be but it's entirely that possible. Weird. It'd be boring, but
0: <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, moving on. So there has been some shit happening with the solo Batman movie.
1: Yeah, I'm no longer really interested in
0: seeing it. So first up, Ben Affleck stepped down as director. Uh, I believe we reported. I believe we talked about. No, wait, we didn't talk about it last time because we couldn't. We didn't do no. a show last time. But yeah, so uh, Ben Affleck stepped down. Uh, he released a statement, just kind of saying, "Hey, I am still going to be in it. It's still going to be happening. It was just I not interested in directing it." Uh, so, the Variety reported. Uh, just this past week that Warner Brothers has hired Matt Reeves uh, to direct the movie, replacing Affleck. Matt Reeves is... i Let me just double check to make sure I'm thinking of the right guy here. Da, 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 da. Yeah, okay, he's a solid-ish director. Uh, he did Cloverfield, uh, Let Me In, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes.
1: Yeah. Under Siege 2.
0: Yeah, that fucking... But he was a co-writer on that.
1: Yeah. He directed such... Oh, if he directed the first Cloverfield, that's... Yeah. I'll, I'll try not to hold that against him.
0: Yeah, so he signed on to replace Ben Affleck. But now so this is a rumor at this point. Uh, I do not believe there has been an official statement from Affleck's people or Warner brothers at this time, but while speaking on Collider movie talk, uh, John Campia says that Ben Affleck might really want out of the role of Batman.
1: Like I can't really, really want out. I can't really blame him.
0: Yeah, so according to Campia, uh, he has has multiple sources who are saying that uh, Affleck is in talks with Warner Brothers to get out, just to get the fuck out of this Batman role. And if that were true, this could potentially spell the death of the DC Cinematic Universe.
1: You mean if Justice League doesn't shoot it in the head first
0: no like killing it before it gets to Justice League like like it was running oh, head, like, like it was running like head first at the fucking wall of spikes and shit that is Justice League but then it fucking tripped and broke its neck on the way there
1: yeah but Justice League is already set to come out this year
0: yeah I don't know this whole fucking thing seems like to it'd be, it'd be just a big shit show
1: like I, I said on one of my social medias that uh, if uh, whoever um, I'm, it's basically down to Wonder Woman at this point. If Wonder Woman's bad, I'm not going to even bother going to see Justice League, and I think that I might not be the only one that's true for. Yeah, like I think Justice. I think Wonder Woman is the last chance because I think at that point that Warner Brothers will have made a bad movie featuring all of it majorly featuring all of its major trinity and they all suck at at that point. Who cares? (laughs) Yeah.
0: So speaking of, uh, that previously mentioned thing with, uh, fucking Castlevania, uh, Fred Raider is also working on a new cartoon for Amazon based on costume quest. Costume Quest is a video game from Double Fine.
1: Okay.
0: It's about a bunch of it's about a bunch of kids uh, going out trick or treating who end up who's one of them one of their siblings gets kidnapped by goblins, so they all go out and in combat their costumes turn they turn into their costumes and then fight. It is a big old turn based kind of RPG kind of thing. It's pretty good. Okay. So, yeah, they don't really have, uh, they didn't really announce anything, like, writers based on it, but uh, Fred Rader did reveal a voice cast, uh, which includes Kevin Michael Richardson, um, Sam Marin, Rob Paulson, and Frank Welker.
1: That's a pretty solid cast.
0: Yeah. And so Amazon says of the series, uh, the show stars four kids facing off against the dark forces lurking in the shadows of their sleepy town of Auburn Pines. To overcome obstacles and achieve their goals, they must learn to unlock and master the magical powers of their supernormal costumes. With each costume comes a new set of transformations and powers. Which is just the game. Yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, It's coming out at some point for Amazon Prime members in 2018. Sure. Speaking of platform-specific shows, Apple Music has announced they're making television now.
1: Yeah, I've heard about this. I don't know how to feel about it.
0: (laughs) Yes, so... One of their first shows that they'll be uh, premiering on the Apple Music TV service is a TV show based on the segment from The Late Late Show with James Corden, Carpool Karaoke. Yeah, so carpool karaoke will be premiering in April, and it is going to be a full show length, presumably. Of these assholes sitting in a car singing songs or whatever.
1: Okay, I have no. I'm sorry. This this kind of comes on a lot of these.
0: This kind of comes on the heels of. Well, not really on the heels. It comes like. Not long after it was announced that they'd be getting a Clueless Gamer solo series. Okay. And I think Clueless Gamer would work better as a TV show than
1: this will. I don't know enough about either to make that assessment.
0: <laughs> Clueless Gamer is essentially heavily edited. It's essentially heavily edited version of a comedian doing Let's Plays. And having that for like a half hour style show, that would work fine. It would basically just be, it would basically be a YouTube channel with a TV show. And I think that could work way better than, hey, let's get a bunch of fucking people in a car and then we'll sing stuff or whatever. (laughs) Final thing, Uh, Assassin's Creed, the movie is apparently getting a physical release (laughs) because they decided, hey, let's actually release this thing and maybe we'll get more money out of it because fuck it, I guess.
1: I kind of figured that would happen. And it's coming in March. Well, that just means that it made no money at the theater, so they're releasing it to Blu-ray or DVD faster than it would normally.
0: Yeah, so the digital release is coming on March 10th with um, the DVD Blu-ray 3D Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray coming March 21st.
1: And no one cares.
0: Nope. Uh, the, the release will also include 90 minutes of special features with a behind-the-scenes look at the stunts, um, a feature on the costumes and weapons, and look, a look at the first game and exclusive footage of the cast.
1: I wonder if that's them standing around saying, oh god, I have to say this. I'm assuming
0: really? this could be 40 minutes of drinking.
1: Yeah, or I don't know, Michael Fassbender trolling the cast while on set.
0: Maybe who knows? Fuck it. Moving on. News. That's it for news. Fuck you. Thank God. <laughs> New releases for this week, the week of February seventeenth. We have The Great Wall, the one where Matt Damon I'm... saves China from dragons. Yeah, I was
1: about to say. I was about to say Chinese Attack on Titan.
0: Yep. Uh, we also have A Cure for Wellness. Which is a thing, I think. And Fist Fight. The movie where Ice Cube fights Charlie Day. <sighs> yeah. The next week we have Get Out. An actually interesting looking movie. Which just... 10 days out from release currently is 100% of Rotten Tomatoes. That is definitely going to change, but hey, it's a good sign. For those that don't know, this is the horror movie by Jordan Peele, which is What If the Stepford Wives was about black people?
1: Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that.
0: Which looks really good. I really wanted to see this from the fucking first trailer.
1: Yeah, no, me too.
0: Uh, uh, Other thing of note, uh, The Girl with All the Gifts. (sighs) Yeah. It's about Zambambos.
1: There's also the, a cure for wellness.
0: I said that last, in the oh, last thing. I,
1: th- I thought I couldn't hear that one. It sounded like you were talking about something else. I'm sorry.
0: Nope, that's coming out that's coming out this week. Uh, then the final thing for next week is something that looks like a stop-motion movie. My Life is a Zucchini.
1: I've heard about this. I just don't know what to make of it.
0: Nor do I. And I'm about to fucking burst at the seams here, so thank y'all for joining us, everybody. We'll be back in two weeks time with another episode of the Moose Television Podcast. In between now, and then we're going to be having regular run news, baby reviews, podcast. Ow! Counts the bullshit button until then, I'm dead, man.
1: And I'm Bertie. And we will see you guys next time.